down now. I can see all the way to the bottom. Would you like to see what I see? Drop it! Duncan and both come correct. Hello everyone. Welcome back to Duncan and Bo Go to Westworld, uh, he says, beginning the show. Um, hey, so we are on, uh, what is this, episode four of Westworld. Uh, my name is Bo. I'm one of the hosts. With me, as always, is one Duncan McLeish. Hi, Bo. I'm feeling fit as a fair. <laughs> fair. I, man, all right. Uh, we'll get to it. But we have before we get to Westworld, we have we have business to tend to. Uh, be snatch, bull. Be snatch. Be snatch, indeed, Duncan. <laughs> <laughs> whatever, whatever the kids today are saying, I'm in. I'm into it. Um, yeah, I have no idea either. Fleek on fl- yeah. This show is on fleek, <laughs> Duncan. It has, what it, means. <laughs> it has a jaunty mustache. And pomade in its hair. That's how hip this show is. Someone told me that. Someone told me that, you know, you know, I should listen to this show. It was on fleek. And I was like, that all I've got is iTunes. I need to download another app. Ain't no app there, boy. Oh hashtag old man problems. Yeah, yeah. Hashtag bad jokes. Um <laughs> won't be the last on this episode I'll tell you right now gonna keep them coming <laughs> right like every now and again you fire one right down the middle that, that'll just devastate a crowd but there's a lot of wild pitches too um, oh yeah for every joke that lands there's about 20 that don't so yeah it's, you know, it's, but, a, it's a good ratio <laughs> one to 20 but there's a good amount in tonight's episode of Westworld of good old fashioned like Scottish profanity. Oh yeah, yeah. And I, got, but if you hire Peter Mullen to be in your show, and you don't have him saying a couple of swear words like every sentence, uh, then you've wasted his time and you've wasted mine. <laughs> yeah, it. There, there are some some gems uh, in in uh, his dialogue tonight. But but before we get to all that, Duncan. <laughs> <laughs> and get a rump out of that guy. Um, we uh, we like to begin the show as ever with a, a segment on what we've been watching, good and bad. And both of mine tonight are movies you've already seen. Oh, so interesting, I, I, right? So we're, we'll do a little bit of a recap, a little a little uh, Siskel and Ebert uh on, on this thing of i know how you feel about these movies and and now mm-hmm. i will i will chime in as well um but before i i talk about that stupid shit let's hear about your stupid shit duncan and what you've been watching both good and bad of late that uh we should either avoid and or seek out and um, i've literally not seen anything bad i've been on a tear of watching awesome stuff wow. um, humble brag yeah, um, <laughs> like literally everything I, I've watched thus far has been kind of awesome, and I've watched quite a lot. So I continued on with that um, Bobby Kennedy documentary. It's excellent; highly recommend it. Then switched into Evil Genius, the new Duplass documentary on Netflix. Just keep giving the Duplass brothers money to make docu series on Netflix because all of them are amazing. This I one's watched a four-parter. 
I watched the first <laughs> episode of that today, as a matter of fact, and was like, as when I saw insane. when I saw their names pop up, I was like, "Are you fucking kidding me?" Yeah, like, uh, the- like every time I turn around, I, I'm watching a documentary by the Duplass brothers about like some twisted shit that happened somewhere in the United States. It's like they've got the market cornered on fucked up American crime. Oh yeah, and that's what I'm saying. Just keep showing me it because this is right out of a Hollywood script. It is absolutely bonkers. I'm not going into too much detail at all. Suffice to say, it starts off with the first five minutes of the documentary. Yes. <laughs> I mean, let's talk about that. Like, we can spoil this part of it because it happens in the first, like, what, 10 minutes of the documentary. Yeah, and it, it fucking floored me, Bo, because right. I didn't. It, I really didn't expect it to happen. I thought that was the joke would be that they got away with it. Like they got away with money from the bank with a fake bomb. And that was the genius of it. You oh, no. I, mean? I was like, the, ah, the crime ge- keeper. I didn't ex- expect a twist. The genius of it, Duncan, is they did exactly what they said they were going to do. <laughs> which is, like, all right, for listeners, what happens is this dude walks into a bank with a bomb around his neck. And he's like, hey, a I ping bomb. Right. Yeah, I, like a be- <laughs> on a timer and whatnot. And he has apparently been led around the city on this wild goose chase of clues to try mm-hmm. to find the keys to get this thing off his neck. And one of the things that he is tasked with doing is holding up this bank. And so he goes in. He doesn't get all the money that he asked for. But he's just like, fine, give me whatever's in the register. I'm going to get the fuck out of here. And naturally, the police are like, hey, man. You just robbed a bank. We found you pretty quick because it turns out that shit doesn't take long to, to get to. And uh, and he's like, hey, some people put this bomb on my neck and told me to rob the bank. And the police are like, yeah, yeah, pal. We'll see. <laughs> Meanwhile, it's going beep, beep, beep. And he's like, that. actually, this bomb is on a timer. I'm right. Like, you need to get this bomb off me. And it's like... Beep, beep. And the police are like, no, we're going to call in the bomb squad. Just give us a couple of minutes. And then it goes, beep, beep. And then what happens, Bo? Oh, it blows the fuck up, Duncan. And, <laughs> and, and there is footage of it. <laughs> yes, there's footage of it. It's fucking filmed. And and so you see the moment in the, in the first episode of this document. Like like I said, like the first 10 minutes of, of the first mm-hmm. episode of this documentary series where this dude gets the back of his head blown the fuck off. And you're yeah. just like, oh, well, all right, all right. Uh, I guess this documentary is about a murder and not just a bank robbery. Or is it? Wow. Well, the, the, the deeper you, you go down that rabbit hole, the more fascinating the story gets. So it's only four, it's four episodes. Each episode's about 40 odd minutes long. Um, brilliant. I love that. Um, it's my sort of documentary. Um, say what you will about like netflix and the sheer amount of content that they're putting out um i think they really have like i say cornered the market on docuseries i think they're doing what was typically an hbo thing for for the longest time hbo were like kind of the the go-to place for watching these these kind of really interesting surreal and mostly macabre documentary series and netflix have kind of taken that bat and started to run with it um, and The Keepers I thought was fantastic, uh, Wild Wild Country I thought was fantastic and you obviously that's before we start talking about things like Making a Murderer um, and then you swing into this and yeah, 
that all of them have been of incredible content. So, um, yeah, I, I, I thoroughly enjoyed that. So I binge watched that. But like, I, I was supposed to hold off to next weekend when I'm away. Um, and everyone was talking about it online. And I was so scared that someone was going to spoil it. So I watched it all in an afternoon. <laughs> Just like back to back episodes done. That's me watched it. So, yeah, it was it was great. Um, I'm just home from seeing uh, the new Deadpool movie. How is that? Theater. Fucking hilarious. Sure. I yeah. actually preferred it over the first one. Really? Okay. I, I enjoyed the first yeah, one quite I a think bit. They, they have sussed out completely for me. They have sussed out a way to intentionally poke a lot of fun at the success of comic book movies whilst at the same time uh, delivering a very entertaining, very fun, um, hugely funny uh, comic book movie. I think they've they've absolutely one hundred percent nailed it, um, and yeah, it was it was great to watch. There's, I get it. Kind of felt like you know, like when you watch Anchorman. I think I've used this analogy before. You watch Anchorman and you laugh all the way through it. And then the next day you watch Anchorman, you laugh at all the jokes that you didn't really pick up the first time you watched it. And then the third time you watch it, you find yourself laughing at bits that you weren't even laughing at before that. And then one time you watch it and you just find this one bit hilarious and you don't know why. I think uh, Deadpool 2 has that sort of staying power. I think the jokes are that quick in succession and not only in the foreground but in the background of that, that a second viewing will will prompt more laughter at other things that are happening. Um, yeah, it was, it was great. Ryan Reynolds is... He's obviously the the marketing for that movie has been ingenious. I mean, they know how to market the fuck out of that movie, um, with all the the tidbits and the fake videos have been doing, and the him apologising to David Beckham this week. There was a video that was like he showed up at David Beckham's door. There's a video just now with him and Josh Brolin where they just trade insults that have come out this week. You know, a couple of weeks before that, we got the feature-length trailer. The teasers have been awesome. Um, yeah, they have. It has the funniest post-credit sequence, although it's technically during the credits that I've ever seen in a movie. Like to the point that tears were streaming down the side of my face. Um, and yeah, I, th- I thought it was very, very, very funny. Very, right. very, very it, funny. Yeah, it opens so. here Friday, and I, I intend to see it sometime this weekend. Um, yeah. Yeah, I, I think you'll get more. I think you'll get more. I think comic book fans will get more out of it just because there are a lot of jokes there. They're charming and smart. That didn't, well, no, there's just a lot of jokes flung at you guys, um, which you know I didn't instantly get because I don't understand the comics because um, I've never read them. Uh, so yeah, I think um, that's you know that, that's going to be the, the interesting thing to see what you come back with. But yeah, I thought it was better than the. The, the first one, I thought they, it kind of just felt like it breathed into itself. Um, it dropped a C bomb. <laughs> sure. So, well, yeah, I, I guess, mean, I guess two thumbs up from this guy. I always uh, point out that the first film involved pegging, and any time that you you draw that line in the sand, like we're gonna have a lady fuck a guy in the ass in this movie, I, as soon I, as you you say that, it, it's like okay, well, in the sequel. All bets are off. <laughs> like you can oh, yeah, do whatever they, you they, want. They, really, they play. They play into that. I will say this about the movie: the trailer has set up something quite big in the movie, which turns out to be a very quick joke in the movie, which made me laugh till my stomach hurt. So, 
Yeah, you're gonna you're got you're gonna love it, man. It's, it's right. fucking hilarious, absolutely uh, hilarious. So yeah, I saw that, and then the other movie that I saw, which floored me, that I technically I've I've recorded a review of it, but I can't release said review. It's not it's not under embargo, but uh, for podcasts under the stairs, I can't release it uh, until closer to its release date in the UK. That being said, I believe it has been released in America, which means be- because of this show, I can talk about it here guilt-free is a movie that I sent to you that I think you probably want to talk about as well so I'll hold back on that and we'll maybe join in as our final movie discussion on that one and give the floor to you um what's the other movie that you saw that I have seen (laughs) okay I I finally caught up to Downrange the Ryuhei Kitamura (laughs) (laughs) joint I uh, obviously, you tell me you love this. If you tell me you love this, I'm disconnecting the phone and we're not talking again. Oh, this is my good for the week, Duncan. Um, no, of course not. That like downrange is kind of a good movie in theory, mm-hmm. uh, except it none of the characters matter, <laughs> no. and, and the things they say are annoying, and you want them to stop it. <laughs> Do you want to sing happy birthday with me, boy? Oh, one of the what the fuck, fuck are we you. doing in this movie scene, Siva? <laughs> oh my god, man. Like I never in a movie have I been more on the side of a random killer <laughs> than I was in this movie. And the premise, ladies and jelly spoons, is that um a bunch of terrible people uh, are in a car. Aren't they terrible? We know They're nothing n- about them. No, it, it doesn't matter. It, like, none of these characters... The the most characterization you get in this movie is that one of the girls, uh, like, the final girl of the film... Is, is it, going home. Is going home to for her sister's birthday, and she Our can't... Re- 16th bull. Right. And she can't remember people's names. So... <laughs> that's as deep as the characterization gets, and... And a lot of people say terrible things, and they say them badly. And mm-hmm. I, I don't think the performances are great in this movie, and sometimes they're downright kind of bad. And I yes. and I wonder if that's a little bit of lost in translation kind of stuff, where Kitamura doesn't necessarily... Like, like, it's the same way when I watch a lot of Asian horror. I think some of those performances are good, but they may be shit, Duncan. I don't know for sure. <laughs> I know, like I know yeah. when I see a good emotional performance, that makes sense it's to not me. His but first, it's not his first English language film, though. He did Midnight Meat Train, and right. we spoke before about the CGI being dodgy AF in that movie. The acting's of a pretty good quality. Not amazing, but it's not terrible. It's on par with a lot of horror movies that come out. Right, but I think it's because those actors are just naturally better actors. Like you have, uh, oh, yeah, yeah. What's Bradley it? Cooper. Bradley Cooper. I was yeah. going to say Bradford Whitman, and that's not right. Although I would, Wilford Brimley. Wilford uh, Brimley as the as the killer on the train. I got. Um, I got to get to the bottom of this. goddammit. Somebody. Somebody's hanging people up in the in in the goddamn subways. Midnight meat train. Now I'm hungry. I'm hungry. As the, the, the midnight meat train is what he calls himself devouring a foot long sub meatball sub marinara mm, it's the midnight meat train it's a Wilford Brimley snack at midnight um, oh. midnight meat train was 
my uh, first night in Thailand, both <laughs> sampling the pleasures of cannibalism and lady boys. Midnight Meat Train is my name on Tinder. Oh, God, yeah, it is. <laughs> swipe left. Oh, I don't know what we swipe. I don't know. Is that me accepting them or not? Um, Boy, I, I mean, if you... If you were to hook up with someone whose nickname was Midnight Meat Train and you walked away from that not dead? Uh, if, you, if you hooked up with someone called Midnight Meat Train and you could walk after having sex with them, I would feel disappointed. I'd, I'd like to think you had the old John Wayne going on. <laughs> Get a limp to the side. <laughs> you'd like you'd been sitting right. on a horse too long. <laughs> right, like the back of your throat kind of hurts for some reason. <laughs> You know how that happened. Okay, you 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 found out that that gag reflex you didn't have, you do actually have, um, <laughs> right? It's just it coming further, further back than you thought it was. Right, it's just coming from the other direction. <laughs> I got gagged from the rear. <laughs> Hashtag uh, so, gagged so- from the rear. <laughs> Um, <laughs> so yeah, so I was spot on then. Yeah, yeah, you were exactly right. It's it's not a very good movie. Um, all, some of the gore effects are pretty fun. That's what I thought. And and the last like twenty minutes of it, there's enough going on that I was like, well, if it had just been this the whole time, I probably would have been more into it. Did you like the very end? Because I didn't like it. Yeah, I thought it was needlessly grim. I, 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 I <laughs> this is almost sacrilegious, Duncan. But as I was watching <laughs> the end of that movie, I was thinking of the end of Get Out, and yes. just like I, you need Chris to escape, you know, after yes. after this ordeal, and especially because we did all the birthday stuff and and slight spoilers. But in fairness, all right, l- let's just mark spoilers from here because here in a second <laughs> we're going to talk about a movie we are going to spoil the shit out of. Mm-hmm. Uh, because we kind of need to, to talk about it. And, um, so if you haven't seen downrange, uh, probably don't, but yeah, in, unless, <laughs> unless it's just on in the background or something and you want to perk up every time you hear gunshots to see somebody get, you know, shot in the fucking face or something, mm-hmm. but otherwise avoid it. So the good movie I watched was, uh, the endless of course, which is open, yes. make, make them the, the tour here in the States. And um, this is Justin Benson and Aaron Moorhead. All right, so it's Justin Benson and Aaron Moorhead, who uh, fans of horror films may know from such movies as Spring and their previous uh, film to that, Resolution. Mm-hmm. So uh, the short version, The Endless Fucking Rocks, um, if <laughs> it's fucking amazing. If you haven't, if you haven't seen it and don't want it spoiled, I, there will be show notes, and I'm I'm gonna give it about a three count here, and then we're gonna talk about the endless because to talk about the endless and why I'm so excited about it, I have to spoil something about it. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah, and I, I we, we must stress, must stress, if you have not seen the movie, please jump ahead because this is one that I will be batting for the fences for this year for everyone to check out. Yeah, absolutely. So here it is. Uh, on the count of three, we're going to we're gonna talk about The Endless and, and check the show notes for the time code. So uh, spoilers on the count of three, two, 
one. You are in spoiler territory now. You have been (laughs) warned. Okay. So, The Endless, it turns out, is a fucking sequel to Resolution, just Mm -hmm. in a sneaky AF way. Yeah, very, very, very sneaky. Where, uh, all right, so here's the deal with The Endless. The Endless is about two brothers. One of the older one uh, has taken the younger one away when they were younger, thinking it was a, the way he describes it is, it's a UFO suicide cult. Yeah, yeah. So they they were part of a a commune, which he has very consciously decided as a UFO suicide cult and dragged his younger brother away when he was younger. And he, the younger brother has only retained, like you do with most things that are bad. You try over time, you put a shine on things, Bo. Um, and you start to remember only the good things and none of the bad. Right. And, and the idea is, the older brother is like, you know what? If you want to go back and kind of see what this thing is for real, I'll, I'll t- take you back there. And, and they have kind of a shitty lower class working existence because they don't have any real skills. I mean, they grew up in a goddamn cult. So mm-hmm. <laughs> they're just, uh, they clean houses for a living. And so they take off one, uh, one day or over a weekend or something. They're going to go hang out at this cult, uh, where the younger brother has all these much fonder memories and they show up and nobody looks any older. You know, everybody Mm -hmm. looks great for their age and it's a bunch of hippies sitting around doing their thing and brewing craft beer and the overarching mystery. And one of the things I I initially kind of loved about the movie before it blew my mind was (laughs) before it, before it got even better, you mean? (laughs) Right. Before it was just like, oh no, that's not the, this isn't the movie you think it is. It's this movie. And the entire time, it was just like Zeppelin's immigrant song is playing. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, it was. (laughs) It was rad. So, uh, so there, there's some force out in the woods, and the idea is like it's almost kind of a ritual thing, right? Is my early Mm -hmm. call on it of like, oh yeah, maybe it's just that they're all praying to this thing that is keeping them all young and. You know, everyone's got a little bit of a creepy vibe to them, even though everything seems really friendly and welcoming and innocent. But, you know, it's there is still that undertone of like something's going on here, mm-hmm. and you're like, man, maybe there is some monster out out in the woods and whatnot, out in the desert. And then it starts to get into this suggestion that what's really happening is sort of a time loop thing. Yep. And I remember thinking, oh, kind of like Resolution. That's cool. (laughs) I I would have paid money to have been in your house to see your face when they come across that cabin. (laughs) Yeah, well, dude, I mean, the reaction was what I sent. Like, I I sent you a message immediately. And and the way it was, fuck you. The Endless is a, is a secret uh, sequel to Resolution, This Fucking Rocks, I think is the, the full text of That's it. That's pretty much what you wrote, yeah. Because, our, yeah, so what happens is the older brother who is out looking for answers and whatnot runs across this dude in a in a cabin who is like, and, and you've heard mention of like, hey, there's this tweaker gun nut kind of out there somewhere. 
so he runs into this uh this dude um who is hung in the cabin <laughs> but then comes out and is like Hey man, yeah, here's and kind of lays what's going down, and so super, super duper spoiler territory. Um, mm-hmm. The whole idea is, oh, there are these little pockets of time loops that people are stuck in, and there is this overarching intelligence that is kind of making these people dance for its pleasure. Yeah, and by keeping them stuck in these time loops and. It can choose to kill them or bring them back or reset the the loops and whatnot. And there's a reset button that's like, hey, if if you are here at this particular time called the Ascension, you're gonna get stuck in a loop. Yes, and and you you become stuck in your own kind of private hell. And so this dude who hung what hung himself but isn't really hung because the monster won't let him and keeps resetting him. Uh, is like, hey, go to this tweaker dude, get me a gun, and then I'll tell you how to get back to this camp where you originally started from and you can get out of here. And so he goes to said gun nut tweaker cabin. And as soon as he uh, hears like, hey, come inside, you know, and he opens the door and it's the dude from Resolution handcuffed to the radiator Mm -hmm. and it's like fucking shit that movie was (laughs) happening concurrently with this one and or or maybe it wasn't though maybe this is because they're stuck in infinite loops well yeah i mean who knows how long they've been there or who knows how long his wife is at the camp still looking for him it's nuts (laughs) it's it blew my fucking mind. And then they, you know, like, it's a great scene with uh, the characters from Resolution, you know? Like, the, the mm-hmm. dudes from that movie, um, uh, Chris and Mike, uh, Benny Curran and Peter Salella, Sia, something, anyway. But anyway, those dudes are there, and I'm trying, you know what? I know they showed... His wife at the camp. Well, no, not just at the camp. I'm th- I'm thinking in the original movie, and I was seeing if she if she is, plays this, yeah, right. If I it's think, the same, I think actress. they carried everyone over. I, I think they because because even if so, the the two central characters in this movie and um, the brothers are actually the directors. Yeah. So, um, but they also, they were also in resolution. Yeah. Right. So they, right. yeah. So they were members of the cult. So yeah. So that's like, so like you say that's all happening, but there must be sizable time that's passed because, um, they've returned at the end of, so the cult loop is nine years. It runs in a nine year cycle. So, um, so they must have left before a reset. Um, to come back and time for the next one. Right, and it kind of backdoor explains some of Resolution as well. Because mm-hmm. Resolution... But not in a way which makes me dislike Resolution. In fact, if anything, I've got a greater appreciation for Resolution now. Right, if that was their idea all along, 
and you know, like, hey, our our idea for what is going on in resolution because it's never explicitly explained. Yeah, it's never explained at all, really. And I mean, there's a suggestion that there is some larger force, but you don't know what it is. And this movie puts a much finer point on it. It's like, here's what it is, but it also like the story of resolution is just one story playing out yep. in, in all these bubbles and man. And then it, like, it has a very satisfying ending where, you know, uh, the, the brothers are forced to make a mad dash to try to decide whether or not it's worth trying to get out of one of these loops. And if real life is actually any better or, or quite frankly, any different, Yep. Than being stuck in in a loop like this, and it it just fucking rocks, Duncan. It is it's fucking awesome. It, it floored me, yeah. floored me when it finished. I I sat mouth open, staring at the screen, going, "Did you just shoot easily into my top five of the year?" Well, yes, you did. Um, I think it's. I think it's incredibly written. I think the the, the story is realised in such a way where the myth, the mythology is so dense, and the the detail that I have picked up since watching it, so my brain keeps going over things. Like so, everyone in the cult have come in at different times, which explains why the older guys dress like a cowboy from a different time period. Uh, some of the other characters look like they dress. They, there's not a uniform, whilst they're a cult, there's not a uniformity in the cult in terms of how they all dress. And a lot of their fashions look like they come from different decades. Which makes me think they've all come in at different times. And the cult's grown around it. And, and then I was just like, this is, oh my God. <laughs> right. Well, because like you were saying, there's the resolution, mm-hmm. uh, you know, bubble happening in such a way that the wife ends up at the camp. Yeah. And gets stuck in that loop. So she's, she's just one of, yeah. So, but like when you, when you think back about all the characters, I can't wait to watch it again because I think there's going to be so much more I'm going to pick out, uh, my second watch. But when you look at all the different cult members and then there's jokes that they mention within that as well. Um, so they're all fully aware of what's happening. Uh, they've obviously resigned themselves to the fact that there is this loop, but the magician guy says a million hours. That conversation, which yeah. is just like a throwaway comment, but in the context of the movie, is so much more poignant. It basically says, you know, if you had a million, you need a million hours to do something to become an expert, to become perfect, to become the best at it, which is basically every waking hour of your life, you know, when you're not asleep, you have to dedicate to it. Um, and his magic's really good, like really, really, really good. And then you're like, yeah. oh yeah, he's he's looped around that many times that he's already achieved his you know he's million hours and oh man it just it, it, it floored me it floored me in a way where like when it finished I felt so optimistic that's I don't know if that's right I just felt good yeah and yeah and it reminded me of the way I felt when um a dark song finished which was a movie that also floored me when I watched it um, and I loved the end to that movie, which was granted very touchy feely, kind of happy sort of end. And um, but I loved it because it did that. And this kind of it left me feeling the same way. I, I genuinely think it's 
maybe one of the best indie horror movies. Well, it's not even a horror movie, indie genre movies um, that I've seen in a while. And I was thinking of things like, it just made me think of other movie experiences from the indie world that I've really enjoyed, like The Barry. The Barry was churning through my head because of the <clears throat> the relationship between the two brothers just felt... It felt very natural just, and real. Yeah. And yeah, the, yeah, just like, stuff you just don't see a lot. And I mean, that makes sense. Like, oh, uh, you know, character characters being portrayed as real on the screen. Yeah, that's a novel in nowadays. You don't get many movies where you get that. Um, and the fact that these two directors are now, I think they're producing the next Jeremy Gardner movie. Which, which feels just totally makes me right. all tingly. Yeah. yeah, it just makes me all tingly. And Jeremy Gardner was in Spring. He had a cameo in Spring. But to me, the the like, because obviously they keep pivoting to this UFO thing in this movie. But to me, it, it it feels like it keeps more in tone with the Lovecraft thing, which he did in Spring. That there's this kind of you know all powerful being, this ancient god, this elder god, which we see a carved out stone of um at one point you know, you know of a, a weird creature like thing um that is controlling all these things is basically you know is manipulating time in these pockets and you get a, a one scene where they're looking across over the valley and you see the the extent of how many pockets there are and then there's one pocket that's just stuck in a five second loop and oh. the guy inside is a broken fucking man yeah, it, it it's just him looking up, seeing someone there, or if someone happens to be at the window, I suppose, and then standing mm-hmm. up and running, and it's just bang, bang, bang. And like, yeah. I would disagree. I would, I would actually call this a horror film because there are certainly elements of it I find. I think it's it, in the it's horror like, genre, but I think it's not. It's not a. It's it's, it's like cosmic horror. Yeah. It, it it is yeah. very much a. There is a larger thing afoot manipulating people, and I mean, yeah, I, I yeah, I, I think I, I would, I mean, if I had to, if I had to compartmentalize it into a genre, I would put it in horror. I think it's not, it's not just a straight up horror movie, and I think that's to its credit. I, I don't think it's, it's dealing with loftier subject matter. Um, that almost feels elevated out with the genre while still staying true to the genre, if you know what I mean. Yeah, yeah. Well, it's a lot like a lot of the horror films we've seen of late where it's like, okay, well, this is a horror movie on its face, but very sneakily, it is about this other thing. Yeah, um, yeah. And I, and I would argue that The Endless is very much about, like, well, is what is it that makes free will significant almost, you know? <laughs> Like, well, yeah, the, the brother himself is, has memories of being in this cult that controlled him, that his brother is desperately trying him not not to go to through manipulating and controlling him. Right, you know I mean? right. So the younger brother has not got free will either way, and I think that's the, the, the kind of poignancy of that realisation where the brother's like that. That's all I've ever wanted from you is to you know basically trust my judgement, to let me... Like stand them on to feet. That's all I've ever wanted from you. You've never given me that, and now you've said that. Let's run away from this giant vortex, <laughs> right? And and now we can actually get the hell out of this horrifying cosmic <laughs> nightmare that is chasing us. Um, yeah, it's it's it, it's really good. Like it, it's one of those movies that 
uh, as you said, as soon as I saw it, I was like, oh, okay, well, that's a movie that's that's going to be in my top ten uh, for no other reason than, like, just having the fucking balls, Duncan. Uh, the fucking balls on these guys. Oh, uh, uh, just being like, oh, yeah, yeah, it's a sequel to Resolution. Don't worry about it. It ain't nothing. Don't don't sweat it. We don't we don't have to talk about that. Um and I think I guess, you know, Resolution, who knows how many people actually saw that movie, although I certainly thought it was fantastic. I think it was on my top ten that year. Uh mm-hmm. in like, twenty twelve. Yeah, I think it's a great movie. And even if the ending is somewhat unsatisfying because it is so like uh, sort of esoteric. And but now that this movie exists, I think it somehow makes resolution even better as a film. Yeah, I agree. And now all I've wanted to do today is go back and watch resolution to see how the endless ties back into that. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, it's, uh, it's real good. Duncan, uh, turns out the endless yeah, knew- is a movie. You should see. <laughs> It finished. It, like, finished like, as soon as it finished, I sent you that message saying, um, "Did you?" Because I know you've been talking about going to see it for a couple of weeks. So, like, did you get out to see this movie? Um, and I've been very lucky that in the UK, Arrow are putting out the the movie on uh, on limited theatrical run on the twenty ninth of July, but twenty um, ninth of June, twenty ninth of June, um, and releasing it on Blu-ray on the second of July. So I'd already got my copy pre-ordered weeks ago, but then they they got in touch with me and said, because um, it's the same PR company that dealt with Piwacket, which I also reviewed uh, earlier on, and they got in touch and were like that. You know that Piwacket review you did? Uh, do you fancy doing one on the Endless if we can get you a screener? And I was like, yes, please. Please, <laughs> please, um, please. Um, and, you know, like when it came through, I, I, uh, I've recorded a, a review with it, which will be out much nearer its release date with Scott from Scott and Liam versus Evil podcast. And I really, I thought if there was anyone else that was going to get a crack at the screener, uh, it had to be you because, like, as soon as it finishes like that, me and Boney to discuss this movie is fucking amazing. So, yeah. Oh, yeah. Depends. I appreciate it. It was, uh, in fact, fucking amazing. And mm-hmm. uh, I can't recommend it enough. I mean, hopefully you have seen the film if you've listened thus far. Uh, if you haven't, uh, well, I hope we give you some reasons to see the movie. Although I apologize uh, for your lack of restraint. <laughs> because you owe it to yourself to know as little as possible about resolution. Um, mm-hmm. Or not resolution. Shit. Spoilers. <laughs> um, the Endless. The Endless. <laughs> the sequel to resolution shit um <laughs> it, it, that god damn when that happened in the movie that it, it truly is one of the best three or four moments i've had watching a movie in the past year of yeah, just like pretty amazing just like i are you kidding me uh it it, it was shocking and wonderful and I I couldn't have been happier to see it happen. <laughs> I was so thrilled, man. And the uh, uh, one other quick moment in the movie that I thought was um, pretty terrific is when you see the um, <laughs> the setup of the projector starting to play like Aaron and Justin, 
and mm-hmm. in in like a quick loop and then something just bats this projector into the fucking stratosphere as it's just like nope bang and you're like god damn man there whatever this invisible monster is uh i'm kind of mm-hmm. glad you don't ever really get a sense of what it looks like exactly but yeah. you know it it there even though you kind of know what it is the fact that you don't know what it looks like i think makes it uh kind of even more frightening mhm so uh, man good times man it uh, really it really is yeah uh i loved it anyway um hey duncan we're not here to talk about that stupid stuff we got other no. stupid stuff to talk about and <laughs> That, of course, is uh, Westworld, uh, Season 2, Episode 4, entitled The Riddle of the Sphinx, uh, which sounds spooky and and kind of is. So, yeah, coming up uh, right after this, we will do a quick break, and then uh, we are going to forget about all the weirdo goodness of the Endless and uh oh hey one other quick note uh i'm only Ooh. like two episodes in but uh sion sono's tokyo vampire hotel is on amazon and oh nice right and i'm a couple episodes into that which range from you know like 40 minutes to a little bit over an hour for the individual episodes um i so i haven't seen the whole thing yet i don't want to give an unguarded recommendation of it but also it's Sion Sono doing a fucking television show called Tokyo Vampire Hotel. I don't know <laughs> I don't know how else I need to sell you on that, but um it, You ought to uh, wear that news drop this week that his debut in the English language is gonna star Nicholas Cage. That makes so much sense. <laughs> of course it does. I was like that who else would he cast? Yeah. I, like Klaus Kinski's dead, so it has to go with Nicholas Cage. God, if it turned into like a, a Herzog Kinski kind of collaboration between yeah. Nicholas Cage and Sion Sono, well, I'm, I'm ready for be, it. I'm ready for it, bro. That might be the greatest thing that ever happened. I just like, hey, we're gonna get Nicholas Cage and we're gonna do a remake of fucking I don't know X Day or something. Who cares? <laughs> Who cares? It's, it's, it's Sono. Yeah, the the movie comes in. He's like, "This is actually the first in my quadrology of movies with Nicolas Cage." I'd be like, "Give me a second while I masturbate again." <laughs> Zip. Um, yeah, it's, well, uh, it's going to be nuts. <laughs> well, you know, I kind of mentioned this when we talked about uh, 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 Tokyo Vampire Hotel and and Sionzino on the Morbid Mondays. Um, it's just that I was looking forward to watching it because if Sionzino's doing it, it's not just like it, it, it's not it, it's not going to exist purely as superficial entertainment there mm-hmm. is going to be some shit under the hood that's going on because sono is a bit of a poet that's that's his whole vibe is metaphor right so yeah. um and i the story hasn't completely gelled yet uh but you know, it, it has a very Japanese flair to it in terms of like, well, there are vamp- vampires and then there's another clan called the Neo-Vampires. And the Neo-Vampires are kind of the bad vampires, but none of the vampires are really all that good. And really all of humanity is just kind of fucked anyway. And But there is one sequence, man, where they get to the, the titular Tokyo Vampire Hotel 
where the thrust of the story seems to be all these humans just being kind of kept around as cattle for blood, uh, mm-hmm. uh, eventually uh, rebelling against their vampire masters. And I'm like, maybe, <laughs> I don't know. I like whatever Cianceto wants to do. I'm along for the ride. Cause it's the Westworld is the vampire equivalent of Westworld. <laughs> it, yeah, kind of, but it's, it's really weird. And like it, there's a thing where, uh, Three, three people are born af- at nine minutes and nine seconds after 9 p.m. on this particular day when the solar system aligned in the shape of a cross. And two, uh, and, and uh, one, all three of these kids born at this exact moment are given a droplet of Dracula blood. Uh, mm-hmm. because the prophecy is that one of them will save the Dracula clan, which has been kind of used and abused by this new clan of vampires, the Neo vampires. So, I mean, that old chestnut, that's nothing new, Duncan. I'm not telling you anything <laughs> you haven't seen before, but the, then apparently the vampires like raise these fucking kids. And because again, you know, like they're the, the children of prophecy, but humans are also suck, according to vampires, where they're just like, oh, yeah, humans are pointless, but one of them is going to save us. So they ha- they raise these kids, and the parents are just like junkies and gamblers and degenerate humans that are being paid by the vampires exorbitant amounts of money not to get too attached to these kids. But are just like, you take care of them and you're going to feed them exactly how we tell you to. And you're going to walk them every day and you're going to clean up after them. And if you fuck up, we're going to kill you and replace you with another parent. And that's what happened. <laughs> like one of the episodes is kind of that where one of the kids who's growing up is just like, oh, yeah, I've had lots of mommies and daddies now. <laughs> like every now and again, one of them will get horrified by something I do. And then they're murdered and replaced with a parent that can stomach it. <laughs> so it's... <laughs> It's pretty fucking good, is what I'm saying. Uh, I'll need to find out if it's on Amazon over here. It's yeah, and uh, it kind of won my heart immediately because the uh, the uh, theme song is from a band called Tricod that I like quite a bit. So seeing like Sion Sono's Tokyo Vampire Hotel music by Tricot, I'm like, well, this is all the things I like. Um, <laughs> Why, thank you. <laughs> yeah, well done. I uh, Thank you, Sian Seno, for bringing all these elements together. Like, it's a crazy vampire show, and there are Draculas and neo-vampires and lots of gunplay, and it's fun. It's a, it's a cool show so far. I'm looking forward to getting deeper into it, because every episode gets a little bit weirder than the one before. Mm-hmm. Just saying. Anyway, enough of that. Uh, we'll be right back with Westworld. This is not a test. This is the Psychosemantic Podcast. Announcing the commencement of the annual purge sanctioned by the U.S. government. Weapons of Class 4 and lower have been authorized for use during the purge. All other weapons are restricted. Government officials of ranking 10 have been granted immunity from the purge and shall not be harmed. A few days 
ago I called the news the enemy of the people, and they are. They are the enemy of the people. We have Ben Jacobs, that's the Guardian reporter, body slammed tonight by the Republican candidate Greg Gianforte. Living with a six-year-old. I'm not able to uh, be rushed this fast. It makes me nervous. Well, then you two learned a very important lesson today. Cops don't help. That is one big pile of shit. It's a fray! Can you fly, Bobby? In the 20th century, the Senate voted on seven Supreme Court nominees during election years, and it approved all but one. So just to, just to put a button on this, are you ruling it out 100%? Yeah. Are you crazy? Is that your problem? Politics, movies, political movies, the Psychosemantic Podcast, better known as the Psychosemanticast. He did what we all must learn to do. You and you and you and you. Yep. And cover. Welcome back to uh, Duncan and Bo Come Correct, <laughs> aka Duncan and Bo Go to Westworld. A.K.A. Duncan and Bo fawn over uh, James Cullen in this episode. Is that his name? James, <laughs> James what is it? Peter. Peter Mullen. Uh, I will hunt you down, bro. <laughs> as as Papa, Papa Delos is what I call him. And, uh, <laughs> Papa D. Well, but every time I call him Papa Delos, I have the song Papa Legba by the Talking Heads uh, stuck in my head. <laughs> Like Papa <laughs> Delos, um, <laughs> so so this episode, as I mentioned earlier, is entitled "The Riddle of the Sphinx." Um, mm. I trilled the R a little bit there because it's fancy, and <laughs> so it is uh, directed by one Lisa Joy, uh, co-creator of the series. Um, it's the first one she's directed, I think, as well. Yeah, this season, I believe that's right. Um, what, did she direct other episodes? No, I think this is. I think this is yeah. the first one. Yeah, well yeah. done. Well, welcome to the party, Lisa Joy. Um, so she uh, she wrote this along with uh, one of the staff writers, Gina Atwater, um, who is, uh, geez, has written on. Every episode, or is staff writer on every episode, and is co-writer specifically on this one. So, Mm -hmm. I mean, clearly, because this is so lore-heavy, we are getting into some Westworld shit this time around. Um, Oh, yes. uh, So, she is clearly one of the the keepers of the lore uh, on the staff. Um, But yeah, so, let's, uh, let's just jump right into it, Duncan. Um, we, we start in a, in a pretty swanky looking apartment, uh, where, uh, Papa Delos (laughs) is listening to, uh, the stones playing with fire, which is pretty great. I hadn't heard that song in a while. And actually when it, when it came on, I was like, oh man. Yeah. Yeah. I remembered how much I like it. Yeah. That's a great song. Really is. Yeah. And we see that he's pouring himself some tea 
and we see he's got a little bit of a shaky hand when he goes mm-hmm. to to pour his cream into his tea, which is weird to me. But uh, I'm an American; I, we don't I do thought, that shit. Um, no, I thought it was um, see. Well, no, no one over here pours cream into tea or coffee. Oh. That's the weird shit. In the UK, you have milk. You don't have cream. Ah, uh, whatever. Because cream, cream is just basically <laughs> basically an excuse to die younger, right? Now, I I know you're taking off the worst years, right, by dying younger. Yet we, we yeah we don't we don't do that over here. You have if you're at a fancy place or maybe at Christmas, maybe you have a little drop of cream in your coffee. You would never put it in tea. Um, and I thought it was coffee he was having, but. Eh, whatever. I we always use uh, semantics at the start of this episode. I, we've got so much to talk about. We're going to argue with tea and coffee. I, uh, Bailey's Irish cream. So you're an alcoholic? Is what you're telling me? I'm not not an alcoholic. If that's what you're getting at. <laughs> All I'm saying is he'd have a steadier hand if he had a little Bailey's in there, Duncan. Yep, yep. Taking the taking the edge off. Yeah, yeah. Pa- Papadellos uh, every now and again needs a little little. Hair of the dog, little little sip of medicine. Yeah, I'll, t- I'll tell you what. That this this gave me this a uh, montage of um of Papa Papa D getting ready did give me one thing that I thought. Yeah, I I don't I I didn't want to see that, and I never want to see that again. Was the image of a uh, I'm having a wee a wee fap himself. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, well, you know, he's just living his life and, uh, you know, working out, taking a shower, cranking one out between the sheets. <laughs> you know, life, Duncan. He, just, he looks angry all the time, even when he's having a chug. He's just <laughs> <laughs> having a chug is a good one. <laughs> yeah, he just, like, constantly just looks like... like, like yeah, we've all heard the term furiously masturbating, yeah. but that usually... They notice the speed of one's hand, not the demeanor in which they do it. Yeah, um, like he's mad at his dick. Ah, oh, come, you wee bastard. <laughs> I dare you. Stain the sheets, you cunt. <laughs> nice. <laughs> nice, Bo Ransdell. That's right, yeah. Sitting a bit angry when you said it. That's what I like. <laughs> the rage feed. I'm channeling it, Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, so he's um, he's he's getting himself ready. You get the feeling that he he might be a bit exacerbated wherever he is at the moment, and then all of a sudden his mirror becomes a monitor, right? Uh, and a, a young lady's face appears, and she tells him that he has a visitor. Yep, and uh, uh, it it turns out his visitor is William Jimmy Simpson, yes. young, young William. Yeah, um, young William, and he's interviewing him. And in my notes at the time, I'm like, oh, so what they're doing is they're interviewing him to try to, uh, it's for fidelity is what uh, William says, that they're interviewing him to capture his natural reactions to things, potentially for being uploaded into a host and whatnot, because he's he's sick, right? Like we learned that last episode, he's, oh, I'm dying. I'm dying, William. Yeah. (laughs) It was like two episodes ago, and you're like you're you're going slightly pilot. <laughs> you just told me. I I just assume <laughs> everyone. This is from not, this is not is Long John Silver, right? This is, we're not doing Treasure Island here. Listen here, William. Um, so he basically <laughs> go twelve <laughs> paces, <laughs> laddie. <laughs> 
Um, but yeah, he's like we found out two episodes ago when he was being um, very nicely but forcibly moved into the retirement uh, of his kind of twilight years. He, he made comment about it looked like um, William was uh, having all, the party wasn't a retirement party; it was almost like an ascension party, uh, like a coronation, and basically there's a conversation that they have where he said something about, you know, I might not have to worry about my retirement, etc., for too long. And William had told him that the tech wasn't quite there yet. So now we've jumped to a position where that this like one like just off the bat here, this confirms a Duncan theory um from I think two episodes ago, uh, which was what happens if what they're trying to do is, you know, the ability to live forever within the machine? So, like, essentially, comparing it to something like Get Out, you know, the transference of consciousness from one a kind of corporeal body into right. like Stephen Roach shows up on a television and it's <laughs> yeah. just accepted, Peter. Yeah. <laughs> So like this is this is the this is the one of the plans that seems to be happening in the background of now this might not be related to the in fact I would go on record to say that I don't think it's related to the other thing that Delos is doing. This looks like this is like some sort of offshoot William project. Right. Like it, it, we'll get to it later in the episode, but it seems like William is genuinely trying to create uh his mentor you know his father-in-law the you know yeah. um the financier for the most part yeah that and and there seems to be some genuine affection for him to some degree uh even though william is kind of a cold character at this point i mean he's i think it goes beyond just the research component of it though that there is a personal motivation yeah. for him to see this succeed you you see like in, in their initial interactions because we're going to revisit this scene a couple of times throughout this episode but in their initial reactions he genuinely seems quite warm towards um jim delos you know he's you know, he genuinely feels like he's kind of smiling he's interacting um and all the rest of that yeah there's al- almost this sense of duty and obligation um, and to uphold the promise that he kept that they would can, they would wait until the tech was ready to do it. And they have this whole conversation and he asks them where he is. And, of course, we don't know how long uh, James Delos has actually been in this facility, but we know that it's been a while and he is wholly overbeing in this place. He just wants out. So his answers are fairly sarcastic and borderline aggressive now granted he is scottish so that, that's so there's, a Monday talk. right there's a yeah. there's a baseline of aggression to everything he says yeah you need to like when measuring aggression if you're scottish you just have to start at about 70 percent, and that's just the background noise and then everything above that see aggression, right? So seventy is your baseline, right? So right, um, seventy to hundred. So you got wiggle room. Yeah, you got a little bit of wiggle room. Um, and he goes through all this, and when he explains about fidelity, he's like, "So what? So like, if when I get transferred, you know, when, when I've, I've I made the change or when I've been transferred over, we will have this same conversation again." At which point, William slides over a folded piece of paper 
which uh, James Delos opens, but we don't see what's on it. All right, but before and and that's where that scene ends. But before we leave this scene, we've got to point out maybe the best uh, Papa Delos line in the whole scene for me, <laughs> which I'll go is. For that. Uh, when William is saying, like, well, you know, this is for fidelity. We like, we want to make sure that we're capturing your range of emotions and how you feel and, and, and also your sense of humor. And he says, consider, and I defunded the research to cure the <laughs> disease I've got. I'd say my, <laughs> I'd say my sense of humor is pretty fucking intact. <laughs> and. <laughs> Oh, it's so good! Like my accent's and real Peter shitty, Mullen but it's so is good. Fucking amazing! Like I've I've been a like a, a almost like a lifelong Peter Mullen fan, and I could not be overjoyed more that Peter Mullen has found many different avenues to appear on many different shows in America now that you've really taken him to your bosom. Um, he oh, is, he's a national opinion, treasure. Yeah, yeah. In my opinion, he is the Scottish Brendan Gleeson. Um, you know what I mean? Like that's that's the the level I hold him at as an actor. I think he's an incredible Scottish actor, and the fact he's getting these roles are brilliant. And yeah, he is genuinely. I don't like you. Like you hear interviews with him. He's a lovely, soft spoken guy, but almost everything he's cast in uh, leans towards you know evil, maniacal killing machine. So you know I mean, uh, there is a scene later on in this this episode. He looks like Sam Neill in Event Horizon, and I almost oh. spunked my pants. Honestly, it's fucking amazing. This I, episode, by the way, I I love this episode. This episode might at the moment it's my favorite of the season. I was saying to Bo off here, this might be my favorite Westworld episode, just because a lot of what we've hypothesized starts to get filled out. But I love the nuance in this episode that we are going from. We're, we're covering lots of different ground. Once again, following a theory that we had that I think we're going to do the kind of Walking Dead thing of alternating episodes following uh, Maeve and uh, Dolores in one episode and then Bernard and uh, the Man in Black in another episode, which I'm cool with, 100% cool with that because I know eventually all those things will tie up into to one episode. But I think the story's big enough just now and the, the side tangents we're going on are big enough to do that. Um, and this whole episode, we start to realise that there is very much a link between the Man in Black story and the Bernard story in a way which isn't just, you know, uh, they both work for Delos. Um, you know, it's this that both of them are intrinsically linked with with Ford's plan, but the fact that we get both of them having these flashbacks as well I think that, you know, just that whole aspect worked really well. Peter Mullen, though, just in general, I think is a phenomenal addition to the cast. Um, I think this might be the last episode we have of him. Uh, we'll get to later on. I don't think we'll be coming back. Um, but what a two-turn, you know, on this this season, two, like two episodes where, to me, he's basically stole the show, which is no laughing matter when you consider the rest of the cast. Yeah, he he's really really fun. Uh, in every scene he's in, he's always like he looks a little bit sly, which I like. Yeah. You know, he yeah. like he he's he's ultra aware of every angle, and you know we'll get to uh, William his description of uh, yeah, he's uh, the CEO of a massive farm pharm- pharmaceutical. Uh, 
biotech company. Yeah. So yeah, I you know like you get the feeling self made man um, and all the rest, and he's got there by not necessarily playing the game fair or being nice to everyone, Bo. Uh, also, he is credited in the next episode. Is he? Oh, yeah. so happy right now. So happy. <laughs> well, let me make you even happier, Duncan. Because Tell me he's in the rest of the season and I'll be the happiest guy ever. No, I, w- I was going to say uh, we're going to cut to William and Lawrence, our old pals, yeah. <laughs> our buddy cop comedy on horseback. Uh, William and Lawrence on the trail. They're running low on supplies. and Specifically whiskey. <laughs> particularly whiskey. And they come across a railroad camp, Duncan. Um, that scene is like one of my favorite things I've ever fucking seen as well. Oh, boy, lay it out for them. Lay it out for the listeners. Just picture, picture, this. picture so, this. Speaking of laying things out. So... <laughs> It's, you know, it, like the the stereotypical Old West Railroad camp where it's a lot of, like, Chinese workers and probably some Irish thrown in there, you know. Um, you know, it, it's that period of history. But clearly, the workers have revolted <laughs> and are now using the... Mostly the hosts, it's other hosts, it seems, but sort of their overseers mm-hmm. as the planks in the <laughs> railroad so that they're laying them across the desert and then putting steel on top of them and driving railroad spikes through them. It's fucking amazing. <laughs> and the immigrant song is playing. <laughs> and- <laughs> <laughs> kind of it's fucking it's like one of those things where you're like when you see like well because the camera pans along and we're, we're you know we're getting all the the you know the planks as the uh, and then you see this body and you're like oh that looks oh and then it like zooms out and you just see there may be about six or seven bodies deep along this along this this rail track and yeah as they're doing that they're already pinning one guy down who gets like there's a foot in his throat as the guy swings down with the pickaxe and kills him and that's another plank down it's just it's one of those great visuals which just reminds you that things are a bit iffy i think is the, is the right word uh in in the words of the film airplane duncan the shit has hit the fan mm. um <laughs> and it's a yeah, it's a real mess, but more significantly for our our heroes question mark in this scene is that mm. like oh, well, it turns out that we need and we thought we were supposed to be going north, but instead we've got to go west and if we do that, that's going to take us through Los Mudas, which mm-hmm. is uh Lawrence's hometown. It's a city we've or a t- city. It's a town we've been to within Westworld. Um, it's Lawrence's home, you know, Mm -hmm. uh, we may remember that Lawrence's daughter had some creepy shit to say to William back in the day. Yep. And And, well, again, (laughs) right. (laughs) And, and really the whole, the whole purpose of this scene is to show the rat ass, uh, railroad stuff and also say like, Oh, this is putting them on the path back to Lawrence's hometown. Yeah, because like I think um, the man in black says to the guy, "You're you're going the wrong way. This train track is supposed to head north," yeah. and the guy ignores yeah. him, and then he interprets that as a sign from Ford that this is the direction they should be going. 
So yeah, once again, Ford there. being the game master and whatnot. Yes. Um, all right, so we leave th- them for now. Trust me, we'll get back to William. Oh, oh yes. Uh, in a number of timelines, and all of them yeah. awesome. Yeah. About it, about it, about it. <laughs> right. Scene with Nitro. There's a scene with Nitro. It's just like, about it, about it, about it. Yeah, Listeners, you might as well just turn on ACDC's Back in Black and... <laughs> And play it as we discuss this episode, and then you'll get a sense of how metal. Uh, oh, the whole thing's is. fucking amazing! All right, so so we leave them and we go to Clementine, who is engaging in her favorite pastime, which is dragging people around by the scuff of their dragging neck. a man. Yeah. Well, that's her favorite pastime is dragging a man by the scuff of their neck. So she drags Bernard to the mouth of this cave and then just fucks off. Yep. And he grabs... She leaves him a gun. Right. Yeah, she leaves him a gun as well. She. He grabs this rifle that's been left there and goes into the cave, whereupon he finds, uh, surprise, surprise, Duncan, Elsie. This was a surprise to me because we both thought he had snapped her neck. Right. And it turns out he just choked her out way back in season one. Mm-hmm. And... In the meantime, she's been chained up in this cave with <laughs> a bunch of protein bars in a bucket, is how she puts it. Just pretty <laughs> rocking. Yeah. Look, yeah, uh, which is a which is a two star hotel in Glasgow. Else, um, uh, yeah. I mean, let's it's be a honest. cave, some protein bars in a bucket. That's more three than two. Uh, <laughs> so, well, I'm not from Glasgow, so I'm happy to insult them. And sure. so, <laughs> fucking Glaswegians. Um, so Bernard gets her loose, but she's upset to say the least. Just a tad. Well, she yeah. doesn't know he's a host either at this point. Right. She's like, hey, what, uh, you know, like, what is going on? What, where the fuck have you been? And he fills her in on what's going on. Uh, like, he's like, hey, the park's gone fucking crazy. And all the hosts are rising up, and also, and <laughs> well, like he, <laughs> I do like the dirt. Um, like he basically says that you know, like Fort has kicked off a game, right? We, so, we're all playing a new game from Ford, and it's yeah. So he, like the the assumption is that this is Ford's game, which I thought I don't know if he's saying that to manipulate her or not, but that you know. Because this is, like, here's something that, like, w- that keeps going on is, like, why is all this happening? You know what I mean? Like, right. Ford certainly may have instigated some of this, but season one kind of set up the premise that it was redundant Arnold code somewhere that Arnold had left as, like, a legacy, um, which was starting to manifest. So there's conflicting stories here, and we might never go as far as sorting that out, and I'm kind of cool with that but yeah he's very much of the opinion that they're now stuck in ford's game and ford's changed the rules so much so that the hosts are now free which means that if you're a human you're fucked right Uh, yeah or certainly no longer protected and and possibly being hunted if you're uh you know run afoul of dolores and her crew she doesn't seem like she's real pro-human these days (laughs) um but while but but sure enough, as, as Bernard is is laying all this out, he starts getting the twitches and so, 
And <laughs> you have my sympathies. Um, and he, <laughs> he, 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 he's not bad for a human. <laughs> yeah, uh, it's my least favorite line in that movie. Um, <laughs> Aliens is near perfect, but ugh, not bad for yeah, a human. Ain't, ain't one of them parts. Anyway, so um, they give him they give him a name for his autobiography, though. So right, not bad for a human. The Lance <laughs> yeah. Hendrickson. Uh, is that real? Has he done that? Yeah, I think that's his. I think that's his biography. He says oh. called "Not Bad for a Human." Of course, it is. Okay, all right. Well, I I like the line more because it led to that. Um, yeah. <laughs> but so Bernard is is season all up, and he's like, you know, loyal can, and she's like, what? And he's like, <laughs> cognitive juice, and she's like, oh, you need some of that cognitive brain juice. All right, and. As he's passing out, we also get some flashbacks because the problem that Bernard is having all throughout this episode and, and this season thus far is that he keeps kind of slipping in and out of time. He's like a, a fucking Vonnegut character. Mm-hmm. Um, Ting. Smart podcast. <laughs> um, so, <laughs> But he, we get flashes of him in some kind of facility with a bunch of drones running around and a bunch of them like cortical cores or whatever, the brain the robot brains, mm-hmm. um, you know, and a bunch of eyeballs and whatnot. And then he wakes up and Elsie has the gun on him. And his first question is, is this now? Yeah. I, mean, I was like, Twin Peaks, Twin Peaks, we done. Oh, I know. Oh, feels so good. And I just recently watched the episode of the uh, uh, show Psych, where they uh-huh. reunite a bunch of Twin Peaks cast for an episode called Dual Spires, uh, which is actually quite funny <laughs> if you've never seen it and are a fan of Twin Peaks. Dual Spires. I, know. I mean, it's, it is so obviously them just like, hey, how many of the original cast can we get on? And like Bobby, uh, Bobby Briggs, uh, Sherilyn Finn, Cheryl Lee, Lenny Von Dolan, Ray Wise has popped up on the show a couple of times. Jesus. Right. Like it's a lot of the Twin Peaks folks in an episode all about a creepy town obsessed with cinnamon. It's very funny. <laughs> anyway, that, uh, that don't matter. <laughs> We're talking about Westworld, not, not my shitty detective shows I watch. Um, <laughs> So uh, yeah, she's brought him back in safe mode, so he doesn't know when he is. <laughs> I but like she tells him safe mode. <laughs> safe mode. She basically tells him that she has um, she's disabled the part of his programming that will be affected by the the wounds that he's got on his body. Um, however, they need some of that cortical juice, though, that we've seen before. She also comments that looking at him it looks like the the cause of this was a self-inflicted gunshot wound and we're like yep yep we know this uh-huh we know this. yeah that was previous season we, we we know um and you know they need to get cortical juice and all the rest and she asked specifically about ford's like is ford controlling you right now and he's like that no ford's dead and she's like oh fuck <laughs> right she's like all right so what we're gonna do is we're gonna pop a squat in shea 
Elsie back here, and we're going to wait for the mm-hmm. cavalry to show up. And Bernard's like, no one is coming. Um, <laughs> which is my Bernard. I'm really it. <laughs> yeah, it's it's the voice I, I have started doing when I watch this show, and, and Bernard says something ominous. Um, <laughs> and she's like, what do you mean no one's coming? And uh, he goes, Delos will never allow it. And... <laughs> I'm getting chosen. I know it's pretty good. So uh, she says, "Hey, I couldn't help you if I wanted to. We're out here in Sector 22, and Duncan, if you've been watching the show, you know Sector 22 is a real shithole. And got, yeah, and it's miles away from anywhere. Right? Got, got nothing nowhere. Uh, she should have. She said, I'm in, we're in Sector 22.' I was like, "Oh, that's bad luck." Right? I was like, like "Sector 22, shit. Yeah. Why did Why did we even have this dialogue? We should just insert." Into the scene, like, you know, Sector 22. And it's like, oh, these people yeah. are fucked. Um, uh, yeah, it's game over, man. Game over, man. Game over. Game over, man. We're in Sector 22 where it's real pretty shit now. Fucking <laughs> the jerks in Sector 22. Uh, <laughs> man, this floor is freezing. <laughs> oh, you want me to get you some slippers? Geez, Sarge, would you? Look into my eye. Right, listen. All right, we'll do the whole movie <laughs> later. Uh, that ought to be a commentary at some point. Aliens, I yeah, love that. Yeah, we, we ought to do yeah. that. All right. Um, we got, we, we got, yeah, that we, should be the name of our... That should be the name of our... <laughs> should be the name of our... Our, <laughs> our sideline comedy uh, co- commentary podcast, Assholes and Elbows. Um, oh, that's pretty good. I know that's what I do. Either that or uh, drop your linen and start your grinning. <laughs> Looks like a goddamn town meeting. <laughs> we really have to stop now. So <laughs> Bernard, uh, like after Elsie is like, we're in sector 22. You know what that means? And Bernard's like, yeah, real shithole. We're in the middle of nowhere. <laughs> and <laughs> And then he goes, and (laughs) 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 and has a vision of himself going into the cave. Uh, And he's like, you know, Ford has a facility here. And Mm -hmm. uh, he finds, like he has a a flashback to him finding this hidden latch. And uh, it opens up an elevator. And Elsie's like, where the fuck does this go? And he goes, <laughs> well, that's like Elsie is me and you and everyone else watching this show. Right. Like, like we all, f- we all knew Sector 22 was a real piece of shit. How did this elevator yeah, like, get here? Fuck, where the fuck does this go? Fucking you tell him, Elsie. Yeah. And he's just like, I have no idea. And uh, anyway, so we leave, uh, we, we head down into this new, uh, facility where they find a bunch of bodies uh, of lab tech strewn about, as well as what they need, which is a control unit printer, Duncan. We all know how important those are. Mm-hmm. And Bernard is, sees this and goes, Burr! and then has a flashback to a bunch of drones working around him. And... Then one of the drones in the facility currently, like Bernard's like hopping between timelines. So he remembers back when there were a bunch of like living people around 
as well as mm-hmm. these kind of drone host things. And then flashes forward, and then one of them is actually still there. And Elsie draws a gun on him. He's like, don't do that. That'll, that thing will fucking kill you. Uh, <laughs> it'll try to defend itself. And she shoots it anyway. Mm-hmm. And uh, then uh, ends up like killing the thing. And Bernard is going through like the, the super secret database that's here in this special room. And he says uh, that he thinks that they were watching all the all of the guests from there, as well as mm-hmm. potentially collecting DNA. And Elsie's like, how how do you know about any of this? And how do you know that Ford is dead? Uh, Ford is dead, and Bernard's just like, I don't know. I don't, <laughs> I don't know. And so Elsie finally is like, all right, Bernard, come here. And she gives him some of that sweet seat cortical gank, uh, mm-hmm. cortical yayo, cortical <laughs> smack, cortical toot snoot, cortical clean burning propane, and yay. <laughs> and so uh, anyway, so he's going to be all all fixed later. But anyway, so we leave them. And we cut to uh, Grace, who you may recall from the last episode, was the mm-hmm. young lady that was in Colonial World, hunting tigers yes. and whatnots, and went over the edge with one of the tigers and washed up on the shore. And she was, when she opened her eyes, there was a bunch of Native American Indians standing over her. Um, and we were like, at the time, let's just let's just like, compartmentalize this recap here at the time we were both like that we hope that she will be around for a while because she she seemed like a really interesting character Bo, you're you're a gut feeling now we were going to get into this towards the end of the episode however you're the gut feeling and you were like that wouldn't it be really cool if there was another sort of delosy sort of person in there doing some shit yep and i was like that Bo, that sounds crazy yeah, um, and not, so shush. I, we'll we'll get to it. I I was I was half right. I mean, you, I was yeah, right, were, but it was I I, I were, undersold were, it. Yeah, you were like when we get to it, you were you were like one hundred percent right in one capacity, um, and we'll we'll get into that, and then you know mostly right on the other one. But anyway, yeah. So she she met not her end, thankfully. Um, at the hands of um, some of this tribe of Indians who have now like, basically take her to a camp where all these other people are, um, including that security guard Stubbs. whose name I can... Stubbs. So we know that Stubbs survives anyway because we've seen Stubbs in the present timeline from the first episode, but Stubbs is also there. So Stubbs and Grace have come in contact during this time period in between the events that happened after Ford died and basically, as the cavalry arrive um, at Westworld. So she's dumped down there with all sorts of other guests, though, who have been taken hostage. Right. Um, But she has a slight advantage because she apparently knows the Lakota language. uh, Yeah, which to me was straight away was like, well, you've been here before. Right, yeah, immediately. In in fact, my note was, uh, I don't want to get into it because it'll spoil what happens later, but it was just like, oh, I think I know what's happening here. Anyway, so, yeah. <laughs> Grace, uh, 
Grace uh, like listens in on the Lakota language, and she's kind of chatting with Stubbs. And Stubbs is like, you know, man, we got to get out of this fucking park. And she says, oh, I'm not looking to get out of the park. Mm-hmm. And immediately it's just like, I think there is someone else <laughs> on this show who has had a similar attitude about some such other things. human. Yeah. A human. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, so, so yeah. So we kind of leave it there with her being all ominous and being like, that's not why I'm here. Jacko. Uh, <laughs> she says to Stubbs because we now cut to William and Lawrence, uh, singing a tune, riding the trails, uh, showing up in Las Mutas. Mm-hmm. And the town is mostly gone. And like they, they don't see anybody around that they expect. And the bartender who comes out to greet them is all shaky. And we quickly realize that the Confederados who, who uh, to woke Teddy let go <laughs> at the end of the last episode have taken over and this town and they catch William and Lawrence and they toss him into the church where they like all the, the citizens of Los Mutus are uh, being kept. Mm-hmm. And major Craddock, who is our, you know, main dude, the one, the one, what two woke Teddy let go, uh, says, is there anybody here? Is a representative for this village who can make a deal. And <laughs> one guy kind of tentatively stands up and it's just like, see, I can make a deal. And uh, Craddock just shoots him. And he's like, I don't want to make a deal. I'm here because uh, we are uh, taking over and we can take what we want, yada, yada. And Lawrence, while, while this is all going on, Lawrence and William are kind of tied up together. And... Um, Lawrence remembers that William told him that he had a daughter too. That's right. But not he, and and it surprises William because William hasn't told them, told Lawrence that in this incarnation. So he's like, right. Uh, I didn't think you would remember that. Do you remember (laughs) the buggery? And (laughs) it's like, what are you talking about? He's like, nothing. Um, no, that didn't happen. <laughs> but, uh, so Lawrence is like, look, I don't want to die here. And I, I got a plan because, you know, all the weapons that they're looking for, we've got this grave out back, this empty grave that they're all buried in. And William immediately stands up and is like, hey, I know where the weapons are. <laughs> and Lawrence is like, what the fuck, dude? And... <laughs> Uh, so he makes a deal with Braddock saying, I know how to get you to this place called glory that, that everyone is trying to get to Mm -hmm. and I'll give you the weapons and, and, and kind of be your guide. Then we cut to Papa Delos, (laughs) who is ironically not dancing around his room to the talking heads, but is instead dancing around his room to Roxy music. Yeah, he's, he looks like a different mambo. One would say he has he's full of energy. There's no masturbation. He seems he seems to be getting out his pent up frustrations in other ways. Um, 
But the scene almost repeats itself out with that change at the beginning. It repeats the same pattern again as he's standing in front of the mirror. Yeah. The Kind of steadier the, hand when he's pouring his uh, milk into his coffee or whatever. Yep. And then the the panel, the kind of mirrored panel flashes up again. The woman says that he has a visitor. He says about fucking time um, as he's putting <laughs> these buttons up and... Once again, um, William comes in as played by Jimmy Smiths, who Jimmy, is... Jimmy Simpson, not Jimmy Smiths. You keep saying Jimmy yes. Smiths. All the time, because I keep thinking Miguel from Dexter. Right. He is not, in fact, yeah. Bail Organa. <laughs> we did this the last time as well, didn't we? We did. Jimmy Simpson, uh, who is starting to... What I really like is how they are progressing the transformation between the two, between him and Ed Harris. Because uh, at first I didn't think they looked very much alike, but, you know, there's obviously age makes your face widen. Um, but they've really kind of went in with the kind of, um, you know, the uh, kind of scruffy... Right. It, seating. Yeah, it, it really is pretty convincing, especially the third time you see him in this episode. Yeah, it's, it's, where it's like, perfect. Yeah, he kind like, of... He <laughs> I know what... I know what Jimmy Simpson will look like when he's 60. Right. And if you look like Ed Harris, fucking A, you know? Yeah, well done. You're, you're doing things right. Um, and yeah, so uh, the the scene pretty much plays off identically to the one we saw before. So the assumption being that the first time we saw this clip at the start of the episode, um, James Delos was still alive. And this time he might be a robot. I disagree, Duncan. I think that well, yes, the first I think episode, he, or the first time we see him is like early robot. Well, yeah, I've, I think all of them are robots, but I think it's set up that way. Yeah, oh, you know for I mean? sure. Like once yeah. you get yeah, once you get further into it, yeah, to me, there's it's a no brainer that that's why he slides on the bit of paper because every time we've seen this clip, he's been another incarnation of you know he, he may have lasted because he's already shaken by the time they meet, so the effects have happened earlier. Um, this time, no shakes, whatnot. They sit down and have the same conversation. Slides a bit of paper over. We get to see the bit of paper this time, which is the exact conversation. Uh, and James Dallas is a whipper and a holler and like, let's get the fuck out of here. Right. It I worked. Let's yeah. fucking do this, man. Yeah. Can't believe that I ever doubted you. Let's get out of here. I can't wait to smoke cigars. I can't wait to fuck my wife. Um, <laughs> About the fucking your yeah. wife. Um, well, this is he, well. He kind of gives him a look, and he's like, "That oh, I suppose that's not uh, an option." Because we find out seven years, yeah, have have passed since he passed away. So I don't know where that is in the chronology, anyway. But seven years since he passed on, because it took a bit longer than they were expecting. And his wife, unfortunately, has died of a stroke in the interim. Interesting that he never asked for his wife to get made into a robot. Eh? Well, you know, it's till death do us part, Duncan. <laughs> he's like that. Hey, he's like, hey, I cashed in that chip. I'm now, if she's dead too, Robot Papa D can lay down some D. You know what I mean? Yep. yep. Hashtag clean slate bowl. Hashtag slate. fully functional android. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Hashtag Mr. Data. <laughs> Hashtag the name's Buck and I like to fuck. Um, 
there we go. So he's uh, so he's um, so he's, he's like, all oh, right, oh, did she all oh, like that? And then he asks about his daughter, um, who's still alive at this point because we know that she killed herself. <laughs> yeah, uh, uh, but she's still alive. And then he asks about his granddaughter, uh, which once again another reference to to William's daughter. Quite uh-huh. in this episode thus yeah. far. Hmm. Interesting. Interesting Yeah, it's almost like they're leading up to something. <laughs> it's almost as if <laughs> they're setting the stage for something important, uh-huh. uh, which may happen right at the end of this episode. Um, so, but then Papa like, yeah, D is, starts to get the the robot crazies. Where he, yeah, he's got a shaky leg. His legs starting to go. His hands start to tap, and he's kind of like, yeah, he's like that. Um, yeah. I'm feeling fit as a fit. The car. The car. <laughs> it's a fish called Wanda. Uh-huh. It's fucking one of the greatest things ever. Michael Palin's no, hilarious in that movie. Just sing it. The car. <laughs> the, the car. The car. Take your time. The car. Yeah. The car. It's so good. Uh, but yeah. So, uh, but Papa D- uh, Papa Delos is you know. Getting stuck in his head, like ah, and he's like, he's like, he's like, cause this scene actually kind of got to me because I don't like seeing see Peter Millen be ravaged with anything. He's like that, and fit as a fit, fit. And he's like, oh no, it's like, um, yeah, we can't leave because we've got to do some tests and you know observations, make sure the sticks. And then he tries to speak more, and he's like, I think what he basically says is, you're going to come back and see me, but we don't get that. It's all broken English. And, like, once again, William looks kind of regrettable about this. Kind of like, yeah. you know, you know, if only. So, but this fucking scene is gnarly as balls because William walks out and speaks to the, the woman outside who who's doing all the testing. And she basically tells him at this point, it lasted, I think it was seven days. Right, yeah, that they, this one lasted a little bit longer, but there's still a lot of bugs, and yeah, uh, and they're just like, "Do you want me to terminate this?" And he's like, "Yeah, yeah, yeah get rid of this yeah, fucking so, thing." Yeah, so to me, terminate was that, and at first I thought like because he, he's he's reading something or he's touching a book and he just stops moving, and what like, that's that's what they mean by terminate. That's not what they mean by terminate, Bo. Nope. Um, no, the 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 whole room is engulfed in flame. <laughs> They've got, they've got the they've got the button that I want in every room. <laughs> every room that has a spider. Every room that just exists, Duncan. Because <laughs> I don't care if it's a spider or just an annoying coworker. Everyone needs a room <laughs> where they can just hit a button and yeah. fire cleanses all. Yeah, yeah the inferno button. Um, I know <laughs> the inferno button. Yeah, yeah that's yeah. what I want. Yeah, uh, is there any chance I could have a, a Vesuvius button uh, where I'm sitting in molten lava just comes out engulfs everything in a room? Is that not possible? Well, right, I, right, I right. think I think you're missing uh, a little bit of a marketing uh, opportunity with your oh. accent, with your brug, uh, oh, yes, saying Krakatoa would be <laughs> Krakatoa. Uh huh. Would be pretty good. <laughs> the Krakatoa button. New from Dunboko. <laughs> Krakatoa. Yeah. Krakatoa. That, See? Mm, feels good. I like it yeah, more than Krakatoa Vesuvius. Krakatoa is... 
Krakatoa is also um, another way to describe what happens when you stub your toe on the side of the bed. <laughs> when you get your, find yourself on the receiving end of a midnight meat yep. train. <laughs> Brimley's midnight meat train. Oh. Um, <laughs> get ready for Krakatoa, goddammit. <laughs> I'm about to erupt. She blows. <laughs> Don't fucking, pretend you're not curious, goddammit. It's fucking meat, caffeine stained, riddled semen. Oh. It's just, it's nothing but ribeye fat and nicotine. <laughs> it's, it's actually all it is is the McRib sauce. <laughs> Brimley comes McRib sauce. That makes perfect sense. That's why, it, why they're only available uh, for certain times <laughs> of the year. Yeah, it's after these after these month long milking. <laughs> right. um, it's in the spring, goddammit, when a young Brimley's mind turns to love. There's a bit of lunacy I thought we would never get to. <laughs> oh, there we go. Oh, yeah. Uh, so, yeah, the whole room goes up in fucking flames. And, um, yeah, the, the experiment will continue, maybe. Yeah, it's a rip. Burn. Burn the flames. <laughs> uh, yeah, it's it's awesome, though. I, I love the, the Krakatoa button. Uh, oh, so, that's amazing. Yeah. <laughs> so we leave that awesomeness. Uh, to go to uh, Braddock back in Los Muros, mm-hmm. uh, and he has found, thanks to Ed Harris, uh, grown-up William, old William, um, has found the stash, and in the stash, Duncan, is some nitro. Nitro! We've nitro seen this before. glycerin, Duncan. We've, se- we've seen the effects of this before, and it goes kaboom! Yeah, so... Uh, Braddock is a little bit drunk and <laughs> understatement of the year bull runs though. <laughs> when he finds this nitro and I don't know. The wind. <laughs> That's what he is. He is, he is Milwaukee drunk is what we call it. <laughs> Milwaukee. Yeah. I think you're um, <laughs> the, yes. The native, the native American nation of Milwaukee, uh, <laughs> where, <laughs> where is it Braddock or Craddock? I always fuck that up. I think it's Braddock, right? No, Craddock. All right, so Craddock, Craddock uh, is Milwaukee drunk, and mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, finds this nitro, and he's wandering around with it, just looking for some shit to get into. Yeah, he's like that. I've got, I've got a bottle full of fun here, and no way to express myself right now. Wait a second, barkeep, come over here. Uh, right, because one of the men is like, "You spilled my drink, barkeep," and uh, Craddock is like, "Hey, bartender, hey, bartender, uh, <laughs> why don't you come on over here? You look like you got steady hands, or unsteady hands, and in your line of work, a steady hand is important. So let's put this to the test." I'm going to put a, this shot glass of nitro on the back of your hand. And then I want you to count off 12 paces. 
And so the bartender, with this shot glass O-nitroglycerin balanced on the back of his hand, turns around and walks 12 paces nervously, but he makes it. And And interestingly enough, we see the man in black uh, doesn't look happy about this. Not that he's going to do anything, Bo, but he doesn't look happy about this. Yeah, it's it's a not our concern kind of moment, but he is definitely not pleased that Craddock is acting like a real asshole. Again, mm-hmm. Duncan, reinforcing my theory. <laughs> my theory, Bo Ransdell, you son of a fucking bitch. <laughs> you heard it my here. Theory. You heard it here first. You heard it here fourth. Um, <laughs> that that yeah, this is all about William's journey. Um to to being uh the protagonist, uh swapping places with Dolores, who is becoming the antagonist. Uh you can go back several episodes and hear me say that for the first time ever on this show. <laughs> go back what yeah, go back one more episode before that and you'll hear me say it and Bo poo poo it. On uh, well yeah, I don't think that, I think you were just like, all right, whatever, Duncan. I, right. drunken man. I, <laughs> I was like, well, we'll see how this bears out. And if I find that it, that theory is acceptable, I will then co-opt it and popularize it. <laughs> so so I'm, really, done I'm really doing you a favor. Bro. Yeah. You have done successfully. I'm, fa- I'm fairly sure that week on week we get emails and correspondents coming and going, I'm sure Bo's right. I think William's going to be it. I'm like, no! Yeah. Oh, man, you can't swing a dead cat. Uh, without hitting somebody saying, thank you so much. Yeah, thank you, Bo. Um, for popularizing this critical theory to our understanding of the show. Um, so, but the, the bartender counts off the 12 paces, turns around, he's got the shot glass in his hand, and then Craddock, rather than congratulate the bartender on a job well done, then shoots uh, <laughs> his hand. And mm-hmm. uh, it it blows it right off. Um, yep. And William does look a little like, this kind of sucks. Um, it, basically, it's the look of a man who is cataloging crimes for later vengeance. Yes. It's the look I assume you have most of the time. Just a, a running collection yeah. of names to add to an ever-growing list of enemies. Yeah, yeah, I'm ostensibly um, Steve Buscemi and uh, <laughs> and is it was it um, Billy Madison? Yep, yep. Like sitting in the room putting on the makeup. I'm so glad I called that <laughs> guy. Yeah, <laughs> it's like scoring people off the list who who have who have made amends for their wrongdoings um, and plotting the vicious ways the other ones will be taken down. Tell you what, week on week that we're doing this show, Bo's creeping steadily up that list. Really? Can't imagine. Yeah. Can I, I me? Who me? I'm so gracious, Duncan. <laughs> uh, but shut up, because we leave that. <laughs> we leave that scene, and and the Lakotas are on the move, Duncan. Um Grace asks one of the warriors that that's shuffling, you know, her and Stubbs and a bunch of the other guests um, where they're going. And the the warrior says to the first of us mm-hmm. and 
so they get there and and sure enough it's uh you know like the Lakota leader and he's uh giving them some some business speechifying a little bit and Grace meanwhile is freeing herself from her her bondage and yes. so she ends up fucking off like as soon as she gets free she's just like Woo-hoo! and then it's gone <laughs> so she helps no one she's literally grabs one of the the fire sticks smacks it into the face of one of the the, the tribesmen and then runs off while Stubbs is like huh right <laughs> right and Stubbs is like what the fuck and then one of the warriors grabs him and puts a knife to his throat mm-hmm. and you're like you know Stubbs is saying to himself is this the ignominous end of Stubbs, perhaps? Yeah, and we like that. No, you were in the first episode, Stubbs. I think you're going to get out of this. Yeah, and the, the Lakota chief says, you live as long as the last person who remembers you. And mm-hmm. then he and his men just fuck off into the night. And leaving me to wonder, what the? Um, <laughs> yes. Yeah, it, it's just like, hey, we're going to take you out in the middle of nowhere, scare the shit out of you, and then we're going to go about our business? Question mark? Unless this is part of Ford's plan. Right. This as is. relates to Greece. Perhaps so. And, and here's my concern. We'll, we'll get to this at the end of the episode, but yeah. I, there, I have one Nolan esque worry. <laughs> when it comes to this show uh but we'll we'll get to that in a second so um the lakotas uh take off and then we cut back to bernard who thinks to the sweet sweet cortical jews is now back on his feet mm-hmm. and he he's telling uh elsie that he thinks ford sent him uh to this place and and um but he's also saying, like, I get lost in my memories and I can't tell if this is happening now or if this is when. And he flashes back to him uh, initiating a new build, he says. Mm-hmm. And he says, I've been here recently. And she's like, well, what what were they doing here? Were they building hosts? And, he, and he's like, they weren't hosts. Not exactly. And then they hear something behind a door. Yeah. Uh and and Elsie is like we need to get in there and see what's going on and Bernard is like the fuck we do. We- <laughs> yeah, well this is this is a bit that kind of confused me so he starts telling her not to go behind that door. And then at one point she doesn't react to him and then he says I'm not here with you just now. Right. I think that's one of the time slips of like he thinks he's saying that in this memory, but he's not. And then we flash forward. Right. That and, makes more sense. Then. And so she is like, I don't give a fuck what Bernard says or doesn't say I'm getting in this door and shoots the door open. Yeah. So but we don't go in yet. No, we cut oh. from that. We get that little tease, that little tip in before <laughs> we, uh, we cut away back to Los Mutas because we got to do awesome shit there first. This scene is fucking, yeah, just, yeah. Like, every now and again, I think the man in black's starting to mellow a little bit, and then he just reminds you why he is legitimately the the most dangerous force in the park. Dolores might think she's the most dangerous force. Maeve might think she's the most dangerous force. The man in black 
is the most dangerous force in this park. He's a fucking walking killing machine. He's he's plague embodied by a man, right? He's death wherever he goes. And we get a fucking phenomenal, phenomenal scene where he basically calls himself the Grim Reaper. And well, I was it, like, if ever there was a time to kick in fucking Slayer right now, it's like total fucking, oh, it's amazing. Because our, our fucking Craddock bastard is all full of beans, thinks he's like cock of the walk, is talking about how he cheated Death Bow. Uh, how like death brought him back? You know he was dead, but right. then he came back. Yes, yeah, de- like, death will watch over us because I have looked death in the face and, and survived it. And yeah, he's, and, and he's, he's d- dancing with Lawrence's wife. Yes, and, and just being a real, real jackass about everything. Well, yeah, he escalates it because he's like, you know what, make this better. We'll give Lawrence's wife the glass with nitro again. Right. Um, yeah, you know that trick that I showed you earlier on, which went perfectly to plan, Bo? Well, they're beating the shit out of Lawrence in the middle of the street, and Craddock is like, your husband looks thirsty. Here, take him this nitro. And, yeah. and so he is sending her out to essentially kill her husband. And yep. And then William uh, flashes back to... Seemingly the discovery of his wife, even though yes. the yeah. even though earlier it was said like, oh, his his daughter is the one who told him that his wife had committed suicide. Yeah. So I don't know if it was like, well, he rushed home and then found her. I don't know. But it it yeah. I have my questions. I don't about that. know. I get a feeling that we're probably not gonna go further with that either. I think this is probably the closest we're gonna get to as well. But yeah, so William then you know, it has that flashback, is seeing Craddock act like an asshole, the Slayer yep. is, is starting up, he knows it's looks, time. Look, yeah, yeah. <laughs> looks over at the Emperor, who's shocking Luke, looks down at Luke, looks back to the Emperor, that's shocking Luke, looks down at Luke, and then... then Yeah, and then <laughs> William straight up murders... Every last motherfucker. Well, he says to he, say, he says to him. He says like you you talk about how you stare death in the face. Um, death is truth. Survival. Yeah, you know that. Yeah, and it what is you, what you have Yeah, what you haven't noticed all the time is like you're actually sitting opposite death right now. And at that point, I was like, oh. <laughs> like oh. I'm, I'm giving the Peter Mullen angry tug. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Fap, 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 fap. He gets the whiskey bottle that he's pouring his drink, smashes it on the side of the table, sticks it in the side of Craddock's neck, gun comes out, and then he just starts dropping cunts as if it's nothing. It's the most badass. And it, I think he takes, I think he gets shot, or he, he nicks him at the side, but that doesn't stop William. William is a one-man killing machine, and he kills them all, Right. But he's not finished, Bo, because we have to deliver what, once again, I believe is what you guys call frontier justice. Yep, uh, due process is what we call it, Duncan, uh, where <laughs> William, the one person still alive is uh, Craddock, mm-hmm. uh, who is shot but not dead. And William takes the nitro over to Craddock and makes him drink it. And then goes to Lawrence 
and hands him a rifle. <laughs> and, <laughs> and basically says, I'll remember, do you remember the exact line? If so, I'll, I'll just hand that off to you. I can't remember it. No, go for it. All right. But it says something to the effect of like, hey, I think you have a score to settle. Mm-hmm. Lawrence then shoots Craddock in the gut. <laughs> so fucking amazing. At which point, I don't know science, Duncan. I don't <laughs> think this is how it works. But I don't I care. care. Yeah, I don't care either. It's fucking amazing. Because as soon as Lawrence shoots Craddock in the belly, he he goes up like a fucking Roman candle. Yeah. And ah! blows. Right. And so, like, that is the end of the scene. And the like again, the drums are hammering, the guitar is screaming, and it's like, well, let's slow down a little bit and cut back to Papadellos. Only yeah. it's not slowing down, Duncan. No, it ramps up. <laughs> it's so so like this is this is Westworld just now to me firing on all its creative cylinders. Yeah, and you know, just like this is this show. This show has ascended now to. Like really, after this scene coming up, I I was of the opinion I was like, yeah, I'm ready to to once again fully co- commit my 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 statement of 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 love towards this show. But not only that, I now start think I'm now I've got in my head like this show has the potential to like top tier TV, like the top stratosphere of television shows because when we switch back it's a similar site we've seen before uh, James Delos is getting himself ready, he's poured his, his uh, milk into his coffee or his tea whatever he's having and um, there's no shaky hand at all he's getting himself ready, a different face appears in the monitor this time to say he's got a guest, he's like ah, about fucking time right. and he turns around and William walks in but William is now older William played by our good buddy Ed Harris. Um, once again, continuity to the the hair design, facial hair growth, and all the rest. And, you know, it's, it's pretty much seamless. This is how this character and would look if he was older. Let's not skate over the fact that finally we get the reveal. Oh my God, Ed Harris is William. <laughs> A I mean, fan favorite this theory. Last season. <laughs> yeah. I was like, are you kidding me? Yeah, but when he walks in the door, <laughs> uh, like James, James Dallas is like, "Who the fuck are you?" <laughs> Just like because obviously, yeah, and he's like, ah, "You know, it's, it's William." And at that point, we don't have to go through that. We'll ask each other questions and try and get a baseline. Instantly, instantly, uh, James knows that he is now in a robot body, and we are sometime in the future. Yeah, oh, quite a bit in the future if you look at how old William now looks. Um which I thought was kinda of funny. He says he looks like shit. Yeah. <laughs> well but and Ed Harris, like any love that William had, like it's gone. There is oh, yeah. no there is no uh uh sentimental uh exchange between these characters. It's just And you see why when the number comes up yeah, many times he's went through this because that you think about it, even if you were a sentimental person, having to right. have lived through this so many times, and you've got to imagine he's been present every single time, and you imagine they've maybe got an extra day 
each time, but ultimately it's 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 kind of failed every time. You know, that's going to start to 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 break down. Plus, by this point, I think it's safe to say. Well, he says it in here. We're now. Uh, you know, at the about the time frame of the William that we know coming into the park um, for his last his last hurrah in the park in season one. So we're about this time frame. So this guy ain't happy, and he ain't nice to fucking anyone. Specifically against you know um, hosts, uh, he ain't a lover of the hosts, and. Um, they, they kind of sit down and, um, you know, of course, once again, James is like, oh, all right, let's get out of here. Let's get me out of here. Um, and everything looks like it's kind of going well, but it's not going well, Bo. Uh, things um, start to turn south pretty quick. Yeah, I mean, we get a little more, and, yeah. and I'm, I'm fit as a fit. Right, William. Uh, Fiddle. <laughs> has this great kind of monologue where he's like, it's called a cognitive plateau, uh, James. And he's like, what happened? You know, they've been working on it for years that there's a a point where the, he says, it's not like the body's rejecting the brain. It's like the brain's rejecting reality. Yes. And that this is the 149th incarnation of James. Mm-hmm. And all of them have fucked up. And he's like, some of them last a little longer, some of them don't. Maybe we'd work it out over time. And he's like, you know what? At this point, I don't even know if it was a very good idea to begin with. And yeah, I don't know if I'm going to do that again. And the anger on Mullen's face is like, even I was like, ooh, <laughs> right. Well, but but William is kind of self-effacing too because he kind of lays into uh, James a little bit. He's like. Look, man, nobody nobody out there is thinking of you. Like, your daughter's dead. Uh, she committed uh, suicide. Your wife is dead. And it kind of goes back to the, you know, the thing the Lakota chief said about, uh, you know, your, your true death is when no one remembers you. And that's kind yes. of the point that he's coming to. And But, he, you know, William says you're, you're better remembered than you were treated when you were alive or thought of when you were alive. Everyone kind of yeah. agreed that you were kind of a Machiavellian piece of shit when you mm-hmm. were alive. And now they think kind of fondly of you. And, and he's like, and probably they think the same thing about me. And when I go, they'll think better of me than too. But, you know, people just weren't meant to live forever, James. And we fucked up. And yeah, but as and like the, like Mullins, like well, you know what have you, what did you do to my daughter to make her kill herself? And he's like, even he says that he doesn't think you know, neither one of them are nice people. He then calls for his son Logan, and we find out what happened to Logan. Uh, Logan oh, yeah. died of an overdose many years ago. Which, to be honest with you, he was on his way there. Um, Not a stunner. Quick, yeah, yeah. Um, no mention of his granddaughter though. Bo, no mention of uh, William's daughter in this conversation. Um, but yeah, he, he, he basically says to me, you know, at this point, I, I don't think it's a good idea. And um, yeah, we'll probably not do it again. And yeah, all right, I'll see you later. Uh, and he, he gets up and he walks out the room. And of course, we get the same sort of uh, conversation we've had previously where the the tech the lab techs like that do you want me to you know get rid of this one do you want me to terminate and he's like that no 
let's just play this one out because if anything, it'll give us some data that we can use to work on with the degradation. Meanwhile, Mullen is tearing shit up. Um, he is behaving in this cubicle like Motley Crue would behave in a hotel room in the 1980s. Um, everything's just getting fucked off walls. He's smashing things. He's going crazy. And yeah, this to reinforce once again, like William is like William has just saved Lawrence's wife, you know, and rescued the town and all the rest. And you might start feeling yourself mellowing for that character slightly, and then you get a scene like this, which reminds you how fucking cold-hearted and evil this man is. Because not only, not only has he now got his father-in-law trapped in a body which is degrading, the mind is degrading. Um, but he's left them with the knowledge that not only his wife has died, his daughter committed suicide, his son killed himself through drugs, um, and he's not going to try and bring him back. This is the body that you're now trapped in until you cease to exist or stop working. Bye. And it's just that that very, very poignant reminder of how fucking evil this guy is. Um, not a nice guy at all and whilst we are redeeming him we're getting these little counterpoints which I love because it'd be really easy just to to lay into how great uh, you know William's been by saving this guy and doing this thing and he's fondness for this and he's fondness for that it'd be really easy to do that but I love the fact that we're juxtaposing him with the fucking heinous shit this guy's done oh yeah so yeah I think it's I think it's I think it's fucking great it, yeah it's a it's a fantastic scene it is fucking ruthless and then to emphasize this point, Duncan, because we are just, we are going up uh, still. <laughs> we cut back to uh, Bernard and uh, Elsie who have busted their way into the room. And lo and behold, Duncan, the room that they have busted into is the one mm-hmm. that has the James Delos, you know, robot apartment. And yeah, we don't know how long he's been in there degrading, but there's one thing I do know, Bo, is that the mood lighting is of a red tone, and we can hear violence, audible violence happening within that enclosure. As well as some stones uh, stuck mm. on our, like the record skipping, so it's just like, don't play with me. Don't play with me <laughs> and driving everyone in the room fucking crazy. And so it has to be relatively recent from the last scene because we see the tech that Ed Harris told not to terminate is dead in the room. Yeah. And then we see that, uh, Papadelos is on his exercise bike like we've seen him a couple of times. Yeah, <laughs> pedaling the wrong way though. Yeah, pedaling backwards. <laughs> oh. And immediately, and my notes are the same where uh Papadelos has gone full of in horizon here where as, Yeah, he walks over to the mirror and his face is cut up to fuck. Yeah, and he he starts off by saying, "I'm all the way down now. I can <laughs> see all the way to the bottom." <laughs> where we're we going we don't need eyes to see he actually says oh. you like to see what I see and you're like yeah. you guys fucking saw Event Horizon I 
<laughs> of course he did. And you also realise it's a fucking amazing movie, so you paid homage to this fucking grossly underestimated, grossly underrated, and grossly underappreciated horror movie in your TV show. I fucking applaud you. <laughs> well done. Once more, Westworld. And so there's a, a bit of a scuffle as <laughs> uh, Papa D decides that he's going to uh, murder Elsie. And yeah, but like Bernard's like like Neo. He karate chops him in the fucking throat for a start and then does like a sweep throw thing to fling him on the ground. And I'm like that. Did Bernard just jack himself into the Matrix, come out and say, I know Kung Fu. Because this is very un-Bernard up to this point. But yeah, he basically puts him down and um, kind of leans over the body and Mullins in full... Satan! <laughs> Sorry, mode. He's all that. It's a great line about um, uh, the, the God and the Devil, too. Yeah. You know, two they said one one up above and one below. Yeah, they said there were two fathers, one above, one below, but there's only one. And when you look up to the heavens, it's just the one below reflected back down at you, laughing. Right, <laughs> fucking amazing, man! Absolutely amazing. We've got the stones on loop, right? And we've got him talking about Satan with his face scarred to fuck. I mean, how is this not like the greatest thing that's ever happened in TV? <laughs> it's it's pretty good. And finally, they they do you know terminate him and yeah. uh, and kill. The last, presumably, Papadillos. Although, again, credit in next episode. We'll see. It's probably so, a flashback. Something but... must be happening. Yeah, but they... Don't care, just give me more Papadillos. <laughs> yeah. Oh, man. It's so good. Especially Sam Neill, Papadillos, where he's just like, <laughs> the devil is all that is, laddie. Um, <laughs> Hell is only a word. The reality is much worse. Love that fucking movie, man. It's oh. It's... It is the gold standard outside of Alien, which is more of a monster movie, as far as like yeah. a haunted house in space film. Yeah, it's the top tier. It, yeah. it, it's the only good one. Yeah, and it's head scratching that that director made that movie. Yes, there are a number of things about yeah. that movie that should not be, um, but yeah. <laughs> are. It's scary as shit, man. Um, so. Uh, Elsie is surprised because, hey, that one exactly a host, but it ain't mm-hmm. a human either. And yeah, and Bernard's kind of woolly on the whole thing as well, saying, "I think it's both, maybe." And then she's like, "What? You know, like in case we don't know this, what? You know, Delos are trying to, you know, put people's consciousness into a host body." And Bernard's like, "It would seem so." <laughs> Yeah, so but they're blaming Ford for this. I don't think Ford's behind this at all. Well, he's, but the, the bl- she blames Ford for this right. specifically. Well, he says Ford sent him there with another, you know, cortical what's a jigger to create another human host replicant, and mm-hmm. she's like, "Well, who is it?" And he's like, "Oh no," and and she's like, "Well, that's fucked up, Bernard." He's like, right. <laughs> but so she, they basically make a deal where she says, you're not going to lie to me anymore. And you're definitely not going to try to choke me out anymore. 
and I will help you get to the bottom of this and we'll figure out what it was that Ford wanted you to do and try to get out of his game essentially. Yep. And so, but before we leave this scene, Bernard <laughs> yeah. looks down at one of the technicians, one of the Huban technicians and you know, his dead body lying on the floor. And then we get a flashback of that's how he ended up there, <laughs> right? Where Bernard grabbed this, you know, cortical core or whatever this uh, this human brain imprint, pocketed it, it, pocketed it. Yes, that was weird to say yeah. all at once. And then hits the button that turns all the drones into murder drones. Well, yeah, it whispers something. He becomes Ford. Like, Ford would have that thing where he could be, whisper things to certain hosts and they would do what he wanted. He does that. He whispers something. The hosts go crazy. They start, like, fucking the humans off, like, the side of, like, units and then the windows and all the rest. And then the self-suicide, which is basically them snapping their own necks, uh, except for this one tech who's crawling up towards Bernard, and Bernard lifts his foot and brings it down, kapow, on this guy's face, killing him. So Bernard is killed, Bo. He's killed a human. Right. And and so we cut back to, you know, out of this to him and Elsie where he's just like, oh, yeah, everything's cool, baby. Don't worry. <laughs> don't worry about Bernard. He is doing A-OK. He's never killed a human with his foot. What? What did you say? I'll never lie <laughs> to you or hurt you ever again. Wink. <laughs> She's like, did you just say wink? No. <laughs> Wink. <laughs> you did it again. Absolutely not. Wink. Uh, <laughs> so, Lawrence, uh, we cut away from that to Lawrence and William, uh, who have who have saved the town of Los Mutos and are, are about to take off. And uh, Lawrence says, hey, here, my cousins are, are going to go with us. Because they're indebted to you because you, you saved the town. And uh, William is like, well, you know, most of them are going to die, right? I mean, are they cool with that? And Lawrence is like, yeah, 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 they're fine with they They love dying. So <laughs> these are the red shirts of this episode. Um, I don't know their names and they'll all die. Uh, but uh, <laughs> he turns around and he gets thanked by Lawrence's wife. And then... Lawrence's creepy daughter <laughs> comes across. Uh, yeah, and Ford's out and on him and is like, just yeah. because you, you cleaned up this town doesn't mean that you're a good guy, you know? Like the, yeah, I love it. He, the Williams is like, that, yeah, I never said I was a good guy. And it, what makes you think these are good deeds for a start? And so that, yeah, I'm going forward with your game, Ford. I'm, I'm going right in there, right to the bones. Yeah, I'm it's playing like, it to the bone. I like that line. Yeah. Yeah, uh, and um, Ford, Ford, creepy child girl bot is basically that. No, no, no. What makes you think the game is to go forward? No, this game is to look back. Right. It, if um, you're looking forward, you're looking in the wrong direction. She wrong says. direction. And yeah, which is it's in your past, Ford. Uh, William, in your past. So they, uh, you know, um, William and the Funky Bunch ride out <laughs> onto the plains. 
and come across Grace, who has managed to acquire uh, a gun and a horse of her own. And mm-hmm. it, it's a pretty nice shot of like the sun against her back and her riding over the hill. And William's like, well, who is this? And Grace <laughs> rides right up to him and just says, hey, daddy. And <laughs> right, it's a real all right. So that and that's the end of the episode. It's the reveal that Grace is in fact uh, William's daughter. I, I suppose we can talk now about how right I was. Um, you you were well. You were you were right on one thing more than more than anything else. So you'd basically thought that this could be another sort of man in black character, which she kind of is. We don't know her full motivations at the moment, so we don't know if she's as evil. She's certainly a survivalist. Um, but when you said that you know another Delos character, you're pretty much hundred percent she is a Delos. I mean, she's a descendant of Della. She practically fucking runs the company. She's heir to the whole fucking park. Um, so, yeah, you were spot on with that. Um, I didn't get the daughter I, part up until... But no, I, I called it earlier in this episode, I which kind of doesn't see it, count. I didn't see it coming at all. So when it happened, I, my jaw was... I, like, I, I'd said to you just before we started recording, the episode finished and then I joined the call with you. So my heart was still racing and my jaw was still a little bit loose and I was kind of just like, this is this, this is so fucking good. This is, this is TV that makes me so happy to watch and experience. I love this episode. You said, though, um, that there may be a little Nolan conundrum that may sever you on this. Do you want to elaborate more? Yeah, so here's my problem sometimes with Christopher Nolan. Uh, this is Jonathan Nolan. I, I, I'm, I know. I'm just saying Nolan is in the name, and I have my concerns. Because I think <laughs> back to Interstellar, which is a movie I yes. like two-thirds of. And mm-hmm. then it sucks. And <laughs> I'm worried that... Th- I don't want the end of Westworld to be, oh, the Ford was somehow manipulating William into this relationship with his daughter. You know? Yeah, I don't think we're going to get that. Yeah, I don't think we're going to get that. I think there's a... I think if Ford has been responsible for getting his daughter to join her father, um, I... See, there's nothing, there's no indication anywhere that they're not close. Yeah, you know I mean? other other than him saying that you know his daughter might want him dead, <laughs> which yeah, he's alluded then, to. Like that, but that list is round the block, really. <laughs> yeah, fair, yeah. Like, you know what I mean? Yeah, uh, it's like find find a character who doesn't want him dead. Even Lawrence wants him dead, and he just fucking saved Lawrence's wife and child. So uh, even Lawrence is kind of like yeah, this guy's a bit of a dick. Um, so yeah, I I don't I don't think. I don't think the show is as sentimental as that. I just don't think it. I, it's too bleak. It's too bleak. There will be a reason I don't think it'll be that. Um, I will say that the the stuff they did in fleshing out the kind of transformation once again, that, that to me is like a really interesting part of the story is seeing the different stages of, of William throughout time, but specifically to see him still is kind of like a nice guy, even though he's like hardened by this point, he's still kind of a nice guy when it comes to, to James and that final alter, altercation is just, 
the man is a human arsehole, you know what I mean? He's just really like the worst sort of person ever. If that's, you know, if, your heart's in the right place when you're saying maybe we shouldn't live forever and all the rest, but don't commit your father-in-law who really allowed you to do what you're doing now and investing, even if it was a good guy or not, he's still... There was some sort of affection there, you know what I mean? It was maybe threatened affection, but that's how Scott show affection. Um, <laughs> and threats. Fucking love you, you know that. Um, but it's that sort of... His attitude towards things is very flippant disregard for suffering was evident in that scene. And when you are, like I say, juxtaposing it really well with his, well, you know, you've went too far and I won't let you go further and sort of attitude with Lawrence, it's quite interesting to see how he is, not mellowing, but how he's maybe becoming slightly more compassionate to the plight of some of the hosts, uh, specifically centred around his mission to get to wherever he's going. So I, I really like that. I think um, all the stuff, like you were complaining to an extent last episode that the, the Bernard stuff was just boring. It wasn't fleshed out. Conversations weren't great. It just didn't seem to be going anywhere. Um, and whilst we didn't get an answer to what it was he extracted from uh, Dolores' dad, uh, what we did get was a lot of development for Bernard as a character. Like, his... Well, the fact that, you know, he's, he's getting these flashbacks which are filling out certain parts of the personality where he has killed a human and, like, Ford maybe was controlling him, but there's something weird going on right now. And What the fuck did he put in his pocket? You know, what's right. this thing? Is this the thing that's to go into the host? And if so, who's on that? I've, you know what I mean? Who? I mean, early call, I think it's Ford, right? Why, why not bring... Like, it completes the cycle of, oh, these things are sentient... We have the technology to live forever. I'm going to kill my mortal self and be reborn. It's the yeah. completing the kind of Jesus arc of that character. Yeah, I, I just don't know if Ford wants to come back. You know what I mean? I'd like because he already seems to have some sort of like ghost in the shell presence within the park already. It's like he seems to be still manipulating things out with. But I got the impression that Ford was kind of done with life. Like at the Maybe, end. I, yeah. He doesn't seem like the sort of character that wants to cling to eternal life. So I think Unless it's as time went on, Arnold maybe. Could very well be. Yeah, that I mean that to me feels more realistic. And if that is the oh Bo Ransdell. Yes. Bo Ransdell, if that is the case, maybe that's a different Bernard that was on the beach at episode right. one. Right, that, that's Arnold, not Bernard. Yep. Okay. I mean, that makes some sense. Uh, and also, it would make sense for Ford to want to bring Arnold back to see his vision realized. Yes. All yes. right. All right, I'm on board. Oh, we're, we're making that call. All right. Duncan and Bo come correct. We're making our call on episode four that Bernard and ep- the first episode of this season, the one that was found on the beach, the one that's currently going along with what's his name, Strang and and Co. Uh, at the and moment, Charlotte, to take- yeah, yeah, yeah all, all those folk. Uh, we think that that one is actually Arnold. It's Arnold's AI. Um, I think that's I think that's a good call. I just I think Ford was done at, at the end. I think he 
he seemed to have got his way uh, and then died. Yeah, you know I mean, he got it, like he set everything up in a way where he, he seemed genuinely happy to be on the out. Uh, yeah, there's part of me that just wanted like a, a secret return of Anthony Hopkins, like an uncredited, just like, oh, he's back and nobody expected that, you know? But I think they could, that's the beauty of Westworld. I think they could do it, like, they could do it next season if they wanted to and no one would bat a fucking eye. Yeah, I mean, you could do it whenever you want. You can always find a way to to bring someone like that back into a show like this, where the rules are so, like, not full formed or not like not encased, you can do that. I, I so I, you would not surprise me if you know Anthony Hopkins came back. I would love it. I thought his character was the best thing in season one, uh, and in season two, for me, just now we are really being spoiled with performances. I think across the board, everyone's just not only raised their game since season one, but like specifically in the writing, I think the writing's pretty great. Like I'd said before, the Dolores story is still the one that's not really grabbing me as much yet but whereas in the previous season um it was about ford and the man in black and a bit about dolores but you know not fully on and that's what stories were going on there was a couple of things in the background that weren't interesting and this season everything is interesting to me like of like a really high interest level um out with the dolores stuff at the moment which is still kind of i expect next episode's episode five is we're going to be halfway through the season. There's bound to be some big turning point at this one to set things up for the Black Five. So, yeah, yeah, I I tend to agree, Duncan. I think we're on to something, though. Um, I yeah, this was a really solid episode. You have any, any parting thoughts on uh, 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 on this particular episode before we hightail it out of here? Just basically reiterate. I think this is probably one of the best um, that they've done. And I love the direction that the show's going in this season. Um, I I hope they keep jumping all over the place with their times. Um, I hope they... I can't wait to see what they do with Peter Mullen. Um, and yeah, I, just, I can't... I, I genuinely... This show is, for lack of a better word, phenomenal. I absolutely love it and I can't wait to return. Yeah, this is one of those episodes where it's like... It, when Westworld, as you put it, is firing on all cylinders, where the story is really fascinating and weird and quirky, and the performances are all great, and every scene something cool is happening. Uh, it, yeah, it's just one of the best times you have watching TV sometimes. Mm-hmm. Um, Duncan, before we leave, uh, yes. we have a, a, a tradition of sorts uh, <laughs> where we like to talk about what uh, we're looking forward to watching in the coming week. And I would like to propose that question to you, one Duncan McLeish. What uh, what are you going to be watching in the next week or so that has you all excited in a flutter? Um, ooh, that's a good point. Uh, my, my big thing in terms of what I'm looking forward to starting is, once again, Netflix, because they're just putting out so much stuff at the moment. Uh, I'm looking forward to checking out the new Netflix um, series Safe, which stars Michael C. Hall. It's getting some pretty good reviews. Oh right! Um, yeah. So that's just dropped. That dropped on Thursday. So I'm I'm really looking forward to to checking that. And like I say, reviews just across the board being quite high for it. Um, and that is a good kind of who done it sort of story. It keeps you guessing, and I, I'm totally down for that. So I'm kind of hoping to to get through all that before 
our next recording. I'm also really looking forward to, it is my intention before the next recording that I will have watched episode one of The Terror. So um, so I'm, I'm looking forward to that, to, so I can come on here and gush over how amazing it is along with you. Yeah, I am very, very excited to finish up uh, The Terror. When next we speak, There, I will have seen the final episode of The Terror. Um, mm. And I've I've liked it uh, very much so far. Um, and I'm back one episode, though, so I've got that to look forward to. I was kind of planning on, you know, binging the last couple uh, at the same time. So, um, but yeah, I'll probably keep going with Tokyo Vampire Hotel. Uh, I want to see where that goes. I've been kind of watching an about an episode a day, uh, mm-hmm. which is it feels kind of right. Like that's a show I don't really want to run through all at once because there's just so much weird shit happening all the time that I'm like, all right, I need to sit down and process this um, and j- just make sure I understand what it is that I've just seen and how it fits into this narrative. Um, beyond that, I don't, I don't know, man. I think uh, uh, resolution. I'm going to go back and watch uh, things nice. through the endless. But um, yeah, so that stuff, and I need to finish up uh, Evil Genius on uh, on Netflix. That documentary. Oh, so good, so yeah. good. I, I mean, talk about that. That may happen tonight. As a matter of fact, I may just let that thing roll. Uh, yeah, and I think that's going to do it this time out on uh, Duncan Abo. Come correct. Hey, listeners, if you've made it this far. Uh, maybe you'd go a little bit farther. Um, he says making an obscure Firefly reference. Um, <laughs> if you would, uh, hop over to the podcast provider of your choice, whether that's iTunes or iTones, and leave mm-hmm. us uh, a star rating on iTunes. It's uh, pig feces on iTunes. It's uh, the number of piles. Either or. Um, but if you would leave us, uh, leave us a rating review, it helps the profile of the show and helps, uh, people discover it. And that's always a big thing. And to that end, if, uh, if you know somebody who is watching Westworld and wants a super smart take on the show where we are predicting shit left and right, that's coming true. Um, then hop on over and get ready for the space station reveal. That's going to blow your fucking mind. <laughs> So. There was a there was a second there was a second in this episode where he says I'm not in California anymore uh-huh. and like that if you're on a fucking space station I would I would be impossible you would not be able to record <laughs> with me anymore because every oh, yeah, other I for a fact be. I would have just been like that right the show's over Bo uh, you won I concede I'm sending your two trophies that I won for seasons one and two over in the mail uh, they are now yours. Um, I am King Ride yeah, of Ride up Mountain. My, I'm hanging up my podcast microphone and uh, uh, farewell. Yeah, I would just retire and and change my Twitter account to I was right at I was right, <laughs> and uh, and then I'd be done. You'd never hear from me again. Uh, <laughs> so uh, at any rate, folks, thanks so much for for listening. We will be back in one more week with episode five, hitting the halfway point of season one of, uh, of this here Westworld season two. Um, uh, anything else to say to the folks before we get out of here? Just, I will speak to you all in a week's time and bye. Bye. Well, you've got your diamond 
And you've got your pretty clothes And the chauffeur drives your car You let everybody know But don't play with me Cause you're playing with fire Your mother, she's an heiress Owns a block in St. John's Wood And your father be there with her If he only could But don't play with me Cause you're playing with fire Diamonds and tiaras by the score Now she gets her kicks in Stepney Not in Knightsbridge anymore So don't play with me Cause you're playing with fire Now you've got some diamonds Step girl Or start living With your mother So don't play With me Cause you're playing with fire So don't you play With me Cause you're playing with